0: You're listening to episode 236 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives.
1: You know, I've taken the opportunity now to go back in time by one week to pick out a good creative friend of mine named Declan Shelby. Maybe you guys heard of him. He should be showing up here any time now. You went back a week ago? That's right.
2: In the time that we were... Talking to Garth Ennis? Uh,
3: like a day later. Hmm. So, my well, question is you went back in time a week. Mm-hmm. To what end? A week is such a short amount of time. How much has changed in Declan's life since then? Well,
1: let's find out. He's here now, actually.
3: <laughs> oh, great. Ooh, time travel is <laughs> messy. <laughs> Wait, is this Dude. a bit.
1: It, it's a,
0: it, it sure started as one a bit that was done live.
4: So yeah. that explains a, the quality. It's a, it's a bit of something anyway.
0: Yeah. <laughs> See, there we go. Now it's good. You're not wrong. There you go. Uh, saving, the, saving the opening of the bit and also a tremendous creator. We're joined by Declan Shalvey. Uh, You've probably heard of him if you engage with comics on any level. Uh, He is one of the creators behind Injection, uh, of course, Bog Bodies as well, and what we're here to talk about today, time before time. uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Declan. Oh, uh, thanks for having me, guys. We've been trying to get Declan on, on this podcast for, I don't know, two years, right? Which goes to show, you know, our interest level in the work that you do and, you know, every, every everything you've been putting out. We're talking to someone who is a a, 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 a true double threat. I don't think that there are that many creators who can write as well as they can illustrate. And It's so cool that you have those, that that you're that multi-talented. So I can't wait to dive into all of those things with you today. Um, Before we get into that, I do want to let you guys listening know where you can find us all over the internet. Of course, we are the Comics Pals. Look for us on social at the Comics Pals. Uh, Make sure that you guys are following us and leaving us a review and a rating wherever it is that you listen to us. If that happens to be YouTube, hit the subscribe button, like the video, share with your friends. All those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. If you want to talk to us, Write in at comicspals at gmail.com, join our Discord server, a link to which is in the description below, and listen to all of the other content that we put out every single week. It's a ton. We're exhausted. Hope you like it. Let's talk to Declan. So, now,
2: Declan, <laughs> why don't you answer your emails? No,
4: just <laughs> I do answer my emails. It's funny, I, I, uh, I was on um, uh, uh, another podcast um, last week. And I've known those guys for like 11 years, and it's the first time I did it. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not <laughs> okay. particularly hard to, to get onto. It's just, um, I guess I guess it just depends how busy I am and the, whenever somebody's asking, you know. Uh, I feel like I do a lot of podcasts, and yet, like I said, like you've asked a few times, and just, it just hasn't happened. But uh, I don't really know why it, it, it seems so easy to me. Something okay. can do uh, anything else. Uh,
2: Declan, it's okay. It was a joke.
4: It's, just, <laughs> listen, it's fine. It's all right. I'm, I'm clearly just, I have a lot to explain to a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, this is good. Now you can just clip this out and send it
3: next time somebody gives you a, yeah, you know yeah. the business.
1: <laughs> Declan, you can tell me the truth. Are you, Listen, you've written a lot of books that involve gangsters and the mafia, whether it's Savage Town, Bog Bodies, or Time Before Time. Are you in trouble in some sort of way?
4: <laughs> I wish. You to be doing something interesting. You know? <laughs> Instead of just sitting down all day, drawn. Um, yeah, no. Uh, well, well I, I, just, um, I, mean, I just love the crime genre I like all my favorite well and sci-fi too but uh I, I find that um it's just kind of crime stuff that pulls me in a lot like 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 the Brubaker Phillips stuff in comics or t- or yeah. film or tv huge Scorsese fan sopranos I, I just uh I was like that stuff I, I don't tend I never really got to do it as an artist so I kind of you know everything was predominantly superhero based so when I was kind of doing something that was more generated myself I just that's just a genre I wanted to play in what about so it? A- Everything's
3: fine. <laughs> so you're good. Fine. Like twice, if you're actually okay. <laughs> so, so what about crime as a genre? Like, do you find yourself so drawn to? Like, what what are the trappings of of crime writing or, or artistry that like
4: you feel like you connect with? Um, <clears throat> well, I part. think like, you know the believability of it. Like, I think um, I think we can all imagine our lives going down a slightly different track in a way that say you know the the mental leap you'll take like about you know as if you were bitten by a radioactive spider you know that suspension disbelief is is great in that genre but i think there's something that i think cuts a little bit more deeper that you know you can meet the wrong person on the street someday or you can make a bad decision that ruins your life i think i think I know if you ever watch a film and you're worried something bad's going to happen and like it happens to me like when a character's going down the stairs, I'm like, oh no, they're going to fall down the stairs. You know, like somebody getting injured is way scarier to me. Like just, you know, somebody falling in the bath is scarier than, you know, apocalypse. Uh, You know, like those those things are great and I love them all, but I I just find that um, those those type of things they just kind of cut you to a much deeper place, much more vulnerable place um plus i mean you know a crime with crime stuff is like it's the mood it's the aesthetic i just i just you know i love all that stuff i love um you know shadows tone composition just especially in 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 film and and like i said comics too um it just it just scratches a certain itch i was talking to a, a guy i know who was saying like it's interesting that you want to do you like crime so much when you're so good at drawing like more kind of fantastical things which is true, which is probably why I haven't ended up drawing a lot of crime. But, um, but you know, there's, there's nothing more satisfying than drawing like a really nice shadow on somebody. Um, and with that kind of, I think the closest I've actually gotten to draw a crime was a Punisher book. And that's, that's all it was. It was moody cityscapes and characters standing in hallways and stuff. And I don't know why, I just get a mad kick out of that.
1: Do you uh do you do anything that gets you in the mood for something like that? Do you listen to some kind
4: of music? Do you read something? Do you watch anything that kind of gets you in that headspace?
5: Um not
4: really. I, I think it's just because I've gen, I've gen, I have digested so much of that material, I think I probably don't need to. Um I think uh maybe I, I think when I was doing I was doing Bog Bodies, I think I stuck on the drive soundtrack a good few times. <laughs> um but I also had a friend make a soundtrack for the book and i listened to a lot of that while i was writing too so that kind of helped but um uh i i yeah i i remember when i was writing savage town i was trying to make a playlist of like irish music with the right attitudes to get in my head and i end up spending half the day trying to put it together when i should have been writing so i think i'm um (laughs) i i i I like the idea of going through a whole process where things are just right and you're sitting in your log cabin and you know the Everything's perfect for writing, but I find that um it just tends to be more um it's Sunday and I need to get writing done so just sit down and do it um uh so yeah it's not as it's not as um uh romantic as I thought writing would be it's a bit more <laughs> um just basic with savage Town, I picture a lot of pogues
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah I mean th- th- yeah th- I could yes that's the thing is he could you could do that and you could like. Or dropkick Murphy's, but drop kick for Murphy's aren't Irish, and like you know, <laughs> I think they
1: are. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Well, the Pogues too. I mean, they're mainly British. Uh, like I, I don't, but I also don't want to get too purist about it. But then I started making all these decisions. Like, how am I going to decide all these things? Or why don't I just write it instead? You know, <laughs> so simply can happen when like I'm trying to put myself in the mood drawing wise. I will end up like you know maybe a certain film or something. I can just play in the background or what have you, but then I'll spend 20 minutes trying to pick the right thing. Um, sometimes it's better just to just hit anything and just, and just get to work. So with, with time before time, uh, this, this is a book that
0: uh, by the way is, is going to be actually available to, to everyone uh, really soon. It'll be out April 15th. Um, uh, no, uh, May 12th. May 12th. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was going by. Okay. Yeah, I see. I see. Um, my bad, May twelfth. We have the advanced uh, reviews, but <laughs> this is a book that I knew that I was going to like before it even before I even saw a single page or panel from it.
4: Because
0: glad, oh, I got you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the The concept <laughs> is so compelling. Mm. It's one of those concepts where it's like, wait a second, how has this never been? done before like has this been done before like is this how how this is so unique and interesting that i feel like it has to have been done before um and i, I even love the name it, it 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 kind of like wedged into my brain because it reminds me of the song uh, time after time and i guess maybe it was a play on that um but it it it, it like got stuck in my head And I didn't know exactly what to expect. I figured, okay, crime through time, right? Okay, cool. Interesting. Then we actually were lucky enough to get to read the book. And not only did it nail my expectations, but it exceeded my expectations. So my first question is just, how did the book come together? You talk about uh in 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 the back matter how you know it, it, it took a while it was it was a, a couple of years before you were actually able to uh to get it together um but where did the idea come from uh how did you kind of you know put all these pieces together it seems like it might be a difficult book to keep together because you are going into different timelines and things like that uh so yeah just just how did it all come together for you
4: uh, well thanks first of all um uh Sean thanks a million um and yeah the the the, the title is a kind of a play on the, the the song just in that um had a different had a different title originally um but couldn't use it and um sometimes the stuff with time in the title has often put me off but um the you know time after time is such a well-known phrase and song but it's actually it wasn't the Cindy Lauper song it was the R.E.M. song that, mm. that was in my head at the time but um mm. But I thought yeah, play on it rather than um, try rather than try and dance around it. Like I, you know, I wanted people to know it's a time travel story. Um, but it uh, it came together. The idea kind of came after. Um, it was well, I was at Top Bubble one year, and um, I think I had written Bog Bodies, and I knew I wanted to do something else. And I was talking to Rory McConville, who is uh, he's another writer from Ireland, Um he's he's more, would be more known for. Um, writing in 2000 AD, sorry, writing Judge Dredd at 2008, and he has a graphic novel come out called Write um, It in Blood. But, um, uh, so yeah, this is a few years ago, and I just remember thinking, like, um, I was kind of frustrated because I think he's a great writer, but he didn't have anything out in America. And um, I just remember thinking, like, like I, I, my remit was full. I was really, really busy, but I liked the idea of doing something else, and if I could do it with him where the, the workload was spread maybe it'd be something that we could have fun with, basically. So we were just kind of throwing stuff back and forth. I thought we should do something sci fi because he's really good at sci fi and I wanted to do something that wasn't strict crime. Um I love Savage Town and I love Bog Bodies, but as a writer I wanted to kind of try something that was more mainstream comics. Like the funny thing is like crime is huge outside of comics, but in comics it's kind of a hard sell. Um so I wanted to do something that was more genre which is less mainstream you know um in contemporary culture but more mainstream in comics um so we're just going to bounce the stuff back and forth and um the i think i think i, I, think I had, had the idea about looking at time as geography uh because kind of reading up about immigration and stuff and thinking about like borders uh you know the 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 complications and uh you know how they're needed, how they you know cause you know division, things like that. And what I love about sci-fi is that it tells you a story about you know today using t- tomorrow effectively. And I was going to do sci-fi; I kind of wanted to, to hinge around a certain kind of contemporary idea. So that, that's kind of where that was. And Rory had been kind of coming up with a lot of sci-fi stuff, and we weirdly. The more we talked, the 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 more I realized we had less sci-fi connections and way more crime connections as regards mm-hmm. like the material we liked. Um, so I kind of pared it down a little, and once once that happened, it all just kind of clicked. Um, like for me, I'm not really like I think the time travel aspect of it is like a hook, but it's not really what the story's about. Um, it's an it, it, for for us, time travel is a way in which to kind of heighten the drama of the characters and uh, also didn't want to make something that was like, I've, I've mentioned Looper as a kind of a inspiration because what I liked about that film was it was a great high, you know, high concept, but very grounded and didn't feel like, mm-hmm. um like I'm a huge Star Trek fan and like they've done brilliant time travel episodes, but sometimes it is like, you know, you know, the, you know, the quantum, realities are splitting within the whatever have you and, and that's fun and I love it all but um uh, I want to do something that wasn't that complicated that was just fairly straightforward um, very basic rules but it makes the crime story a lot more kind of um you can you can do more crazy things drama wise that'll you know that'll help the drama with this kind of sci-fi idea with uh, mixed in
1: I'm glad the Department of Temporal
4: Investigations didn't have to come visit you, Declan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Exactly>. Not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, look, I, I love, I do, I genuinely love all that stuff. But, um, uh, I mean, this, um, this is a slight uh, tangent, but um, I was watching, um, uh, Pam Springs the other day. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's kind of takes the Groundhog Day concept. And I, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, and I, think I was saying, like, we're, it's so interesting now that we live in a time where those kind of off-the-wall ideas, as kids, we would see these things, and they're they're really exciting because they're off-the-wall ideas, but are now very much part of the culture. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, like, like things like Star Wars. I mean, I know they were huge in pop culture, but they've they've become part of the like regular people's dna you know um the fact that regular people were watching you know um the avengers go through time in endgame i remember thinking like we are through the looking glass of like what an audience can can be expected to be on board with you know that that film couldn't have worked 10 15 years ago uh, deadpool the the way that kind of breaks the fourth wall i don't think that could have worked uh, 10 years previously so we're in a weird place where these ideas very much digested by the mainstream and so you could do something more through the looking glass as regards concept but um i felt uh i don't know because me and rory were tying more on on like the crime drama element uh it just clicked for us as creators to kind of like lean into that and use the not i think sometimes sci-fi stuff can just get too into the weeds about how things work and what it is and how the you know this you need this to work that and I, like it, i don't i think it's interesting from a concept point of view but it's not really that engaging from a reader point of view
3: yeah and and i i think you did a really good job of of balancing that you and the team on on uh, time before time because you you mentioned the concept of like using time um like as geography and and that was something that i i really connected with in this first issue how you know, um, as you said, I think a lot of times sci fi can get so lost in the weeds that you get, you get so far away from like what's human and interesting about the story and the world. Um, and, and with this story, I really appreciated that you get this sense that, you know, all of these different time periods like have their own culture and resources that, you know, the people in 2140 or 41, um, need. To play with and like they have this idea of like oh well in the future they're very particular about smugglers and it gives this sense of the world feeling really really lived in right away and, and gives you that sense that there's so much more to see and, and do but like we might not get there or we might and either way it's interesting because it makes the world have that living breathing quality you know
4: well, thanks man I mean I credit Rory for for a lot of that like Rory it's interesting because you, you know I had never really co-written something with somebody before and I think um, my weaknesses are Rory's strengths and maybe maybe vice versa. Like, like, he's really good at digging in on a lot of plot stuff um, and, like, working out a lot of the... Like, I tend to write, I'm kind of like, I'll figure out when I need to. Um, so I'll write a draft, I'll come back to it later. But, like, Rory, in the meantime, would have completely dug in and, like, fleshed out a lot of stuff. So um, a lot of the kind of um, intricacies and stuff was born out of a lot of Rory, just kind of digging in and, and working with the concept more. Um and and you know, I mean and, and I think that's what makes the world feel way more lived in, you know. Um uh yeah it, it's interesting like the co-writing has has definitely it's it saved me time as regards like, you know, what, you know writing a whole book. It also created more work because you're bouncing back stuff a lot more. Sure. Um but what's 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 been satisfying about it is I feel like by bouncing back and forth, we've really kind of uh, distilled it down to like the best it can be. You know, it's been it's been been really interesting.
0: When it comes to the actual scripting process, how do you split duties when you're co-writing?
4: Well, um, Roy does all the hard work, and I just stamp my name on it. <laughs> um, no, uh, well, that was that was interesting because I, I I didn't know how to do it, and I talked to two different writing teams. Uh, who like guys I knew who were co-writing with somebody else, and one of them was co-writing something like completely 50-50. He was writing half, of it. the other guy was writing half of it, uh, which is what I thought co-writing would be. And he was telling me it was way—it was actually a lot of work. He said it was more work than writing it on his own because you're constantly kind of like um, checking over the other person and not wanting to kind of like you know dr- drive over their their fees or anything. Um, and I talked to another. A guy who was co-writing something and he, he said that the guy he was co-writing with basically he came to him what the story was, they bounced it back and forth. The guy I knew basically wrote it. Um and then the other guy came in, gave notes and then that was what it was. I was like, Oh, that's co-writing? He's like, Well, yeah, you know, like I'm 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 right, we're doing it together. Like it's just it's slightly weighed work wise, more on one person. And, and that's kinda of ultimately how we're to meet Rory where he we'll talk things over uh, he'll write an outline i'll work on the outline with him then he'll start kind of breaking down the issues um and i'll take a segment of each issue and write i'll write a whole scene myself he'll write some he'll write other scenes and then he'll kind of gel them all together to make sure it's all kind of kind of working so like a lot of the i don't want to say donkey work because that implies that it's um it's uh it's mindless but um uh he I it's able. I'm able to facilitate being able to write every issue while not having to do all of the mental weight lifting that comes with it. So it's pretty, pretty handy for me because I basically to hop in and just be creative. And Rory kind of makes a lot of it work. Being being talk, honest, you, you talk about how you guys complement
1: each other's strengths, and we've. Uh, we've talked for several years at this point, Declan. I think the first year we talked with one, one another is when Savage Town just came out. Mm-hmm. You, you spoke to me about your, your ambitions as growing as a writer. Um, since then, with release of Time Before Time, working with Rory, how would you measure your growth now
4: as a writer? Huh. Um, you're assuming there's any? uh, um, <laughs> uh I would say maybe I've, I've, got, I have more confidence now in my own, uh, my own ideas. Um, I mean, I always work with an editor. I, I work with, um, I worked with Sebastian Gurner on Savage Town. And I mean, I was very insecure doing that. I knew exactly what I wanted it to be and I felt like I had the balls to do it, but I didn't have the confidence to know if I was really succeeding in what I was trying to do. Mm. And Sebastian was really good to kind of basically help feed me breadcrumbs for me to get to A and B and then kind of flesh things out. And uh, Heather, uh, Heather's really good for, like I said, I'm, I'm, I kind of like write something out. I'm like, oh, I'll figure it out when I get to it. She's very good to kind of make me go, no, no, um, iron it out, please. Um, like <laughs> get it on page. Um, and, you know, you can always take stuff back out, but I, I, um, she's really good to help me flesh things out in the way I need to, um, which has been good. And I think my I think my my, my dialogue's gotten sharper, um, and I've figured out a process. Like, I, like Savage Town was pure exploration. Same with Nick Fury. I was I was writing Nick Fury and drawing that at the same around the same time, and um, I was able to rely on my art for that at least. And um, Will Moss is a really good, editor to help me like help me along. But I, I feel like I don't need as much handhold. I don't need as much handholding now. If anything, I tend to kind of like butt heads with Heather in a way that like helps me bump the story up mm. um but I don't need her to like say maybe um walk me through the process like maybe Sebastian would have had to, to have done earlier so I I think I think I I've 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 built up more confidence in what I'm doing for sure so you you mentioned there um
3: on Nick Fury where you were you were both the writer and the artist and I'm I'm always fascinated by creators that um can do both and kind of oscillate between doing one or the other on different projects, would you say that um did you have that same journey with art or was that something that you felt more confident in earlier in your career?
4: Um, no I mean I, 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 at the stage I am now I'm far more confident in my art, you know, but when I was starting out at drawing, I mean it's weird I was talking to a friend of mine. And, like, I realized I'm confident in art, but, like, in nothing else in my life. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I haven't a clue what I'm doing otherwise. But I feel like I do know what I'm doing with art. So I do have a level, I've built up a level of confidence in that over the years. And I always wanted to write, but I, I didn't, I didn't have any confidence in that regard. Well, I think what, ha- what worked for me was, I did think I was, the, it was actually when when Will asked if I wanted to do um, Nick Fury, it was based off my work in injection. He said that he said he felt like I was like, I had a great, really good sense of storytelling, which I think has been the one thing I've been good at, whether or not I was good at drawing or not. I think my storytelling has, has, has been, always been solid. And over the years, I've built up a certain confidence and approach to storytelling. And writing is just another part of that. You know, like as an artist, I, I, I know what I'm trying to do. And instead of like, I think I had a much, I had a higher opinion of writing, and now I don't. <laughs> no, um, I, <laughs> it, it seemed some like something I wasn't good enough to do, and then once I did it, that kind of you know uh, burst the bubble a little, and I realized it's not this perfect thing; it's this kind of thing that develops and flashes and changes, and mm-hmm. and is something that complements the storytelling I want to do. You know, rather than writing isn't the apex of it uh it's another part of the overall process and once I kind of um once I demysti once once it became demystified for me um and it became more like problem sol like problem solving like you know you don't just write down and make something amazing. I, I, I know my process, I write it and then I realize it's terrible and then I can hack it. it was actually similar to kind of drawing where I ink I'll pencil for a few days and then I'll go back and I'll start inking. And when I'm inking I spot things that Maybe weren't great in the pencils, but I was I was too close to it at the time when I was penciling it to catch that. Mm. And I think it's similar with draw with writing. I I'll tend to write something and put it away for a while, and when I come back to it, it's way easier to be like, "Oh, that line's terrible, fix that." Whereas when I'm in the middle of it, I might agonize over it more. So, I kind of drawing helped me a lot with actually figuring out how to write. I've actually I don't know. Was that, was that your question? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that totally
0: uh, answers the question. <laughs>
4: I answer my own question.
0: <laughs> I think that's fascinating. I, I really am compelled by creators who can do both.
4: Um, and well, it's can do both. I've, it's not necessarily that they can do, but I've managed to do both. Like I, <laughs> I'm, I am all up for the credit and acclaim and attention that comes with writing and drawing your own stuff. I'm on board. But um, We'll happily give it to you. Well, I'll happily <laughs> take it, by all means. Um, but it, it's, it's a case of kind of just figuring out. Like, I I, I, um, I live with a lady who is writing her own graphic novel, and she's um, she hasn't written a script. It's this whole, because she works in animation, it's this board process. Oh. So it's all written oh. on the board. And, uh, I mean, it's written. She's written it, but it's not in the same way I would. It's, 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 it's how you might think a writer-artist would write. But I remember when I started writing, I, I made a point – I was determined to do it properly and write an actual script and 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 hand in a script to an editor rather than an editor be willing to accept some scribbles and go that's writing um I wanted to do it properly uh, but, it, but it's worked out it's it, it's it's worked out that it's beneficial for my process to do it that way because I figure out I think if I was drawing more earlier I would lose interest in the drawing by the time I'm actually doing the pages but um it is interesting how different people work. For sure, I I think the way I work is is not particularly interesting, but um, it's it's definitely working for me.
0: Well, it's interesting to 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 me.
4: Yeah, uh, and I I
0: do think that it is something that requires a tremendous amount of talent to be able to not necessarily on the same project, whether it's the same project or not is irrelevant, but just the fact that you can you have those those. The ability to write something, the ability to draw something, and I, I think a lot of writers on the other side would say, you know, I can't draw worth a damn. You know, um, I can't, I can't draw anything. And, and I think it's funny the way you kind of said about writing. It seemed like the apex of storytelling, and once you got into it, you realize it's just another aspect of of this thing that that comics do. And when we talk about comics, a lot of times we kind of do talk about writing as the apex you know a lot of times reviews will gloss over art or it's just not as appreciated in the same way and i think if we were all able to come to that conclusion and really understand that comics is a synthesis of both parts um, we would be able to appreciate comics more in
4: general does it happen i wasn't familiar that that ever happened <laughs> um uh no uh i i agree like i mean you know, had, writing more, I can say that, um, you know, it's, hard, it's it's a lot harder in ways I hadn't considered when I wasn't writing. Um, and if I had to break it down, I'd say drawing is still harder, just be, just with the amount of hours in the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, what helped was I knew I can, like, I know I can draw something. So, it was one artist told me before, um, he said, like, I don't need, I'm, a, I'm really good at drawing. I don't need to be... <laughs> He's like, I don't need to be a good artist. I don't need to be a good writer in order to do good comics. I can I can draw them well. I I can be a C level writer and do like B plus comics because of I know I can draw them well. Um, and that was a strong argument. You know, it's also a strong strong argument as to why to write your own stuff. I remember at one stage, I'm like, Well, do I want to work with this? Do I want to make this writer look good, or prefer make myself look good? And after all these years in comics, I think I prefer make myself look good at this stage. Um, but uh, I. I have no idea where I'm
3: going with this. Sorry, <laughs> no, I mean, riff. It's okay. That that takes me to a, a question I wanted to ask. So, as you kind of found yourself developing your skills as a writer, and you know, um, now you're at a place where you can kind of you could do both. You could do either. Like, how do you gauge approaching like a new project? Like when you you know you talked about time before time and coming to this collaborative process, which was new for you, right? But like. When you are thinking about your next creator-owned story, or you're like looking for you know whatever next project you're gonna take on, like how do you try to balance you know writing versus the art, or like you know like do you see yourself wanting to continue mostly focusing on writing, or like does that even come up for you?
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, my living is drawing. I'm not really making a living as a writer in any way, you know. If anything, drawing comics is facilitating writing because I'm able to pay people to draw my stories. Mm. Um so it's so it's partly, you know a lot of it is just pure um uh practicality. Um so there's that. Um but I mean I know, you know, I didn't want to draw time before time. Um it's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe do so it. Um no, I mean, I knew my priority was always like, I was working on injection full time, so I wasn't going to take anything else on like that. Okay. Um, and at the moment, I'm doing Marvel stuff, so that's paying the bills while I can afford to pay, you know, creative team, um, uh, for people to, 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 to draw the stuff that I'm writing. Um, so again, a lot of it's down to just like, like, like I'm not being asked to write a lot of uh stuff professionally which is fine um but if i i don't want to just be drawing comics i don't want to just be drawing a marvel story i don't want that to be my career i want to be i want to make sure i'm investing in myself yeah um so well i'm i pretty much drawing for marvel for the rest of the year um which is and the projects are really cool don't get me wrong um but i, I don't want to come out the other end of it and go like well i don't have anything that's mine you know um I didn't make crazy money doing those uh, irish crime graphic novels but that uh, but they're mine and i'm really proud of them and that stuff does go a long way to your kind of overall happiness as a as a creator you know um uh the marvel stuff can be great but if you go all in on it it can feel very hollow afterwards um but going all in on creator stuff is fucking exhausting it's so much work with no money uh for you know for a long time until you eventually see money um, it's such a it's such a drain on re, on your time and resources so for me i feel like i'm doing my best to kind of keep a foot in both aspects of being a creator where i'm building something that's my own as well as you know furthering my profile on on projects that will be that'll get attention and and that i enjoy too you know so i kind of have i kind of get to have my my cake and eat it um i there i think there'll be a, there will And it's also building up to me actually going all in on writing and drawing something that I own. I just haven't had the, up till recently, I wouldn't have had the one idea or the plan or the space to do it. Um, But like, you know, Bog Bodies and Savage Town was an experiment to see if I could write a story. Time Travel is an experiment, sorry, Time Before Time is an experiment to see if I can do like an an ongoing book. So like, I, I feel like I'm testing, I'm testing the waters each time to kind of, do something more am- ambitious. So you you said that <clears throat> you're you're
3: kind of building all of these projects with the the uh, goal in the you know the long term of being doing something that is you know you writing and and doing the art as well. Is that kind of where you want to see your career go? Where like most of your projects are things where you are handling both sides of it, or is there you know a part of you that does still want to like collaborate with other artists or other writers and
4: uh, yeah, uh, actually, uh, uh, a creator I am a huge fan of emailed me out of the blue last week, saying like, "Why don't you write and draw your own stuff?" And you know, I I, I wrote him back as like, "Well, I have this plan, yada yada yada." Um, you know, and 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 as I'm writing, I'm like, "Am I overthinking this? Should I have just done this already?" Um, but I mean, I guess I'm a little cautious. Uh, you know, I'm putting everything I can into time before time, along with the guys, but like, uh, you know joe is drawing the book uh that's the hard part i haven't had to do that but you know if i'm being honest if i see the sales and that i'll know that's probably what i will do you know if i draw if i draw a book i know i i know the book would probably perform x well um then i i know I, I can more comfortably maybe say like well at least i know i'm going to be able to pay rent while i work on that book um like so it's not the time before time it's just a it's just a uh a, a test for something else but like it's a way of me using a project that I'm excited by that can get made. Like if I was going to wait for myself to draw this, the book is never going to happen. If I was waiting for myself to write it. It would never have happened. Like the only reason the book's done is because Rory, like he picked up the, my slack effectively. Um, so the project wouldn't exist if it was all on me. Um, I do want it, after COVID happened and uh, I was working on a couple of projects that went belly up. Um, I did kind of have to reevaluate. Or I didn't have to. I chose, I, I kind of sat down and re- I kind of looked over like the stuff I've done, the stuff I'm most proud of, and that, where do I want to be? What do I what do I want to I can kind of do anything, so what do I want to have done in the next 5 years ish? And um I decided that I don't really want to write for anybody, I draw for anybody else. I want to write my own stuff. Um and that's what I want to concentrate on. So I got offered two jobs where I turned down because I wanted to write and draw myself. And then I got then Hulk came up where I got to write, draw, and colored. And that was hugely satisfying. So it's definitely a direction I want to go. Uh, and then somebody asked if I would draw something for another writer. And I said, yes. So I'm doing that now. <laughs> 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 but uh, that's just something short because it's, it's something really cool. So uh, I kind of couldn't say no to that. But then, well, once I finished that, I don't – I mean, I'm not saying, like, screw writers or anything. It's just um, – it's a matter of, like, if I'm going to draw something, I'm going to slave over it for months – I just kind of want it to be something that is that is mine. Be, be it work for hire or be it um, uh, creator-owned. You know, I don't yeah. really want to draw. I don't really want to draw anyone as, as a stories. I want to, I, as a storyteller, I want to explore. I want to explore that more. Um, be it like you know, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a character, uh, Jubilee. You know, be it a Jubilee comic or my own thing at Image or something. You know, so I, that, that's kind of. I don't know. I feel like I've, I've I've kind of built my career up to a point where I can do that now. So I'm going to actively choose to do that rather than just take whatever gig comes along. And do, do you see yourself
3: like continuing to do books like Time After Time where you're the writer collaborating with another artist because it's a book that like you said you'd love to work on. But like if you're drawing it, you know, it's going to just take forever.
4: Yeah. Uh, no, no. Sorry. That was part of your last question. So I didn't answer it. Um, no. Yeah, I definitely. I... I, I like, I like making things, you know, I like I mean, one, the cool thing about time, time before time is <clears throat> like, I've done the cover design you know, as in the approach to the covers, the color scheme. I worked with Sasha head to like, um, you know, we've worked on the title dress and stuff. And I really like doing that. I like, I like building something. Um, I'm more than happy for somebody else to draw it. Uh, cause I also really like artists. I, like, uh, I, I saw I was to a sort of colorist friend of mine, and he showed me an artist he's working on, like a, a well-known artist doing something new. I'm like, oh that, oh, that guy's great. I'd love to do something with him someday. Like, and who's to say he even would? But um, I'm genuinely excited by other artists. Like, I, I, I would love, I want to do my own stuff, but I'm more like, like I think Jeff Lemire has a perfect. You know, if I could, if I was halfway organized uh, as that lad, which I'm not, <laughs> um, I'd be happy because because I, cause I love I love seeing stuff come by come back like even like joe for example we we're talking the other day about our different our work is, but i think i think we actually have a lot of similarities as regards our panel compositions and composition in general but like his the way he pushes and exaggerates his forms is a thing i don't i I do a tiny bit um but i love how he does it and um, his attention to detail with characters and faces is kind of a reminder to myself i'm like i would have been lazier with that um, <laughs> which is good because it, it keeps you on your toes you know um sure uh so so i i i really enjoy I even <clears throat> i got a variant cover off an artist i really love for time before time and i it was great because me and him chatted about the cover he's a great cover artist um and he came back with something really cool I, I like that process i like i like h- helping to generate work for others and writing is a really good way to do that it's just you know i think because writing isn't something i really think about i don't consider how much work it is until i'm actually doing it um the idea of writing something for somebody else is a lot easier to come up with than the actual following through on writing for somebody else but um no i ideally i would write and draw my own stuff and i would i would write stuff for other other artists i, I would love that
1: well the book in the the, the art in time before time is really beautiful look at Joe Palmer and Chris O'Halloran did a great job with the designs and the colors uh I really there,
3: like the color
4: work yeah there, there's yeah there's some, I, like i like not to not to gloss over Joe but like i i Chris is doing some lovely work on it
1: yeah there there's these panels that have a kind of like a fisheye lens look when the characters are walking you talk about the distortions it's really really nice stuff. How did you come in collaboration with those two um, along with uh, you know you you and Rory are writing this but um you know, how do you, how, how do you guys come about Joe and uh, as an artist yourself, um, you know, how much of you wants to, you know, add your artistic input to what Joe is doing?
4: Well, I try not be a prick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I try being the operative word. Um, no, I, I mean, it's the same with, uh, you know, working on, on anything else with an artist now, like like what was same with Mike Henderson or Gavin, um, Gavin Fullerton or whoever else. Um i definitely have an idea of what i'm going for and i'll try explain that as best i can and after that just let them do it like i would i would hate to be art directed um you know there's jobs where you have to do that and they pay great money and that's not comics um you know you're working with storytellers to let them be storytellers but but if you're something you're looking for like you can't expect expect them to mind read either so you know what's interesting sometimes is when they'll come up with something which is what you were looking for and it works and it's great and other times where you kind of like just let them off and they come up with something really interesting. Both is really satisfying, you know. And the great thing is you can take credit for either because um, who's going to know? Am I right, guys? <laughs> uh, but uh, no, Joe, um, Joe. So it's it's funny. Joe worked on Time Before Time with Rory, and I suggest I was. I was kind of trying to help Rory along with uh he was just he was basically just making write it and blood. He was just doing the book and um he was gonna I suggested he send it to Image. He did and he hadn't heard back in a while, so I I encouraged him to just keep making the book. So he he did and um I kind of stepped in as a de facto editor. Um I don't think Rory mind me saying, and um I, my a friend of mine, Owen Marin was sitting at a table with Joe at Todd Bubble and Sent me his stuff and I suggested him to Rory. It turned out Rory had already worked with him because um, they both were in a competition at Thought Bubble years previous. It was a 2008 talent search and Rory won the competition for writing and Joe won the competition for drawing. So I think the first thing they ever did for the was something together. Um, That's awesome. And here I am years later suggesting, <laughs> suggesting Joe for uh, <laughs> his book. And, but the, the book went, it just, the book is great. I highly recommend it. But um, it was smooth sailing for them. Joe was ridiculously professional, like really interesting work. And Chris as well. I think I suggested Chris because I've known Chris for years. He's actually from Cork, the same city that um, we're always from. But um, they just did a great job. And, you know, I was just kind of checking in as they were doing the book. And it just, it was smooth sailing. They they did it all, put it all together. They did it in like, a good amount of time. It was And uh, same with Hass, uh, Hassan. Uh, lettering it and I j- so we had a, we had a different artist for time for time originally but he got a really nice job at a, one of the big two and wasn't available anymore so um, it was around that time where Joe was finishing It in Blood and I thought like well these guys are working so well why like let's let's keep the band together you know Yeah. Um, except like have have some e- egotistical megalomaniac join the crew which is this guy Um <laughs> and I thought I knew I knew could tell Joe like *Ride in Blood* is a, was actually s- similar to *Bog Bodies*. Was a very grounded crime crime book, um, but I knew I mean Joe had worked at idea I knew he could do sci-fi, and um, I really like it cause it's like *Ride in Blood* kind of turned up to eleven with what they're doing on *Time Before Time*. Because Joe has this great like eye for design, composition, character. Um, this machinery is great, and and Chris is able to kind of like give all the subtle dark tones where needed. And then all these kind of bright, high contrast colors to really make it pop. And um, It's been really, it's been really cool seeing them, seeing that, seeing Time Before Time come together, having seen what they did on Riders of Blood. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been really, uh, really gratifying. So I, I don't
0: want to spoil anything because people are, people are going to be able to read Time Before Time really soon. But um, there's a moment in this book where, uh, it's 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 really unexpected it's a, a character it, it, you see them before and then after and they're completely different and what a moment that was it was so unexpected and shocked. like that was one of the bigger shocks i've had reading a book in quite some time i don't even have a question about that i just wanted <laughs> to say that like, it was just cool <laughs>
4: yeah like i was just like oh shit like <laughs> that's that's amazing um, no, I, same here i mean i think i i think that was actually rory's decision but um for, for me i mean i i, I just want to break your heart you know um <laughs> like, like i maybe i might be clear with the whole one shot i did as well it's like i i just like comics that are emotionally resonant as well as like exciting and fun and um Case in, that's I mean a case in point that without getting into it that's a perfect example of like what we want to do with the book is use use the device of time travel to heighten the drama like what happens the moment you're referring to is a real gut punch and you know it couldn't that couldn't happen in another book um, and that's what I really like about this is that we can kind of use you know instead of doing a straight drama kind of story, we can use sci-fi to like amplify those moments. And um, uh, yeah, and I, I think, yeah, I, like, I I love that moment. Like I, I'm especially glad you can see it coming because that's, uh, yeah, you just want to, it hurts. <laughs> I,
3: I love the way that it subverts your expectation. Um, Cause we had talked earlier about there's the moment with the fisheye lens and it's showing kind of a conversation take place over the course of like several months. Um, and I just, I love that it being a, a book that is about time travel, like you can play with the actual regular passage of time and have that actually feel like we're seeing, you know, a conversation or relationship develop and then have these other moments that are like split seconds, but can have these crazy ramifications. It's, it's really cool. It's a really cool device. And, you know, it's not always easy to tell a good time travel story.
4: Yeah, no, no, thanks. We're, we're having a not to get into it but we're we're working on the next arc now and there's a moment me and rory are talking about how to make that work because kind of works with the device of uh flashbacks and it's kind of something you know i'm i think we have a benefit of because of what the premise is and what the book is we can play with those type of things in a way another book can't and i want to make sure that we take advantage of those kind of things you know um but, uh and, and it was tough. Like, I think I said in the the back matter, it, it was two years. It actually came together fairly fast once Joe got on board and once Heather got on board because Heather gave us deadlines <laughs> and uh, Joe actually was drawing pages. Most of it was basically back and forth with Rory refining the world and what it was. Like, I, I, I personally, like, I don't want to spend too long working on, like, world building, but because of what the story is, it is very pre- specific. And you want to make sure that like you know we we want to write it where we get multiple volumes so we want to make sure that our our logic is airtight I, that's the thing with time travel stuff is I, I don't get like again with the avengers example when they're referencing hot tub time machine and, and 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 you know pop culture things are now being digested by the pop culture but like they at least establish their own rules like the rules in time travel in that, that film don't make sense compared to other time travel stories. But then what they did a good job of that in saying that these are other time travel stories and this is our one. And it's going to make sense within what we're doing. I think that's a great way to do it. Like you don't, it doesn't need to match the rules of something else as long as the inherent logic of the story makes sense within it itself, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. That's what a lot of it was. A lot of the kind of fine tuning to make sure that we, we had that down so that we knew the rules that we could break and couldn't break and can take advantage of like nar- narrative devices, like what you're saying, where, you know, time is passing over a few months because, you know, time is geography. So when we move somewhere else, it's a different time. So it makes it difficult to like, what if we're within the same year? How do we delineate that? You know? So, you know, that was a way of, of that scene where uh, Tetsuo and Oscar are talking, like that was a good way in which we were able to come up the way of like showing time passing without like having to add months to the year, because I think that's just going to get really convoluted.
3: Yeah, like I, I love how, um, this isn't like a spoiler for the, that moment, right? It's like the, you show what year it is often mm-hmm. on the top of the page and right. The way that we understand that time is passing is we see it in the art, but then also it's like, and now it's a year later. It's like, oh, okay. Like it, it's this very like, Subtle way to communicate that and that was something that I, I wanted to praise um, for for the art as well is like the environmental storytelling in in that sequence and how it teaches you a lot about the rules of the world without having to have like this clunky character dialogue that's just very expository or like a ton of captions or something like that like you get a sense for what the rules of the world are just from living in it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think some of that's down to, well, just, you know, Rory being a good writer, Joe being a good artist, and, um, me having a bit of experience. But, um, I definitely wanted it to have a, I wanted the book to have a certain aesthetic and a certain feel that when you open up the page, you know, it's my favorite, my favorite image comics are the ones where, like, if I show you a page, you know what the book is. You know, it's Paper Girls or Saga or, um, you know, Deadly Class or even though you might have seen those artists do another book you want it to feel like the book is, is its own thing. So that was a big part of it. And, um, you know, Rory was really good. So he was very adamant that we weren't spoon feeding the reader, all the information. Like we didn't want to do, a, like we, we made the, we made the issue longer because we wanted to kind of flesh out the world in a way where we're not telling you all about it. I think that's just a really, it's a clunky way to do things. And it, it, it it's frustrating as a reader. So, we maybe have to go a bit longer with the first issue so that we can kind of ease you in, but I mean a lot of being honest a lot of the world building is just all the stuff that Joe puts in there you know um mm-hmm. I'd love to say every single detail that's in there was written in the script, but it's not like we like i said want Joe to do his own thing so a lot of the you, you can see that Joe put so much efforts to kind of make make that future world very believable it has it's like it's it's dirty it's manky, things are cobbled together it's um it feels very lived in, you know, and as much as we might write that in the script, it, that we, which we didn't, um, it was all, it just shows you what an artist can bring to a, to a project, you know, a different, like, like, like the, the artists we were originally talking of is amazing artist, And um, it's interesting because he did pitch pages for it. And like that book is so different to the one that we have now. It's, it's really interesting. I just, I so, love, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Uh, go, go
0: for it. It's fine.
3: I was just going to say, I love how, um, you know, you, you, talked about like you there was like all of this world building work that rory did uh, behind the scenes like you know between things and i I love that you guys had the restraint to do that work but not give us every single thing yet because the fact that i have so many questions about the world is like i think part of what's exciting about it
4: yeah no no agreed like i i don't like i mean because you know we have rules to everything and, and uh, why things work but like you know that's it's, it's you know i want you know you want the reader to have questions otherwise why would they want to read anymore you know uh, and ex- and explaining everything uh, outright is it was well, just frankly boring i just you know i just watched something there recently where at the end of it it just it just tells you what the story is you're like it's just terrible like i i you know <laughs> give me the story don't tell me the story yeah. you know and um uh so much that's the great thing about image comics you can do whatever you want and we want to make sure that we're doing something that is engaging and not just um you know i'm not trying to pitch you a movie in a few pages you know i'm not trying to explain everything so that like uh you know you don't need all the bells and whistles i I mean as a storyteller your job is to you know abuse the audience Uh, uh it's your job to be an abuser is what i'm saying uh-huh. You can put me on that. Uh, uh-huh. uh, in, in that you're, you know, you're laying traps and you're trying to like you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to guide somebody through a story and 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 not reveal some things for their for the so that it has more emo- emotional impact later. But also you don't want to just. Uh, I don't think anybody likes to be felt like they're literally being bit, they're having their hand brought through a story. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's uh, engaging. So you mentioned that.
0: You want this to be a story that goes across multiple volumes. Uh, do
4: you have an endpoint in mind or are you just writing this out as far as it's going to go? Um, it's, it's tough. We do, we do have an endpoint in mind. It's really, really hard to write something when you don't know if it's going to survive. Um, like we've, we've, we've called it an ongoing because that's the plan. But like if it doesn't sell, then it won't be ongoing anymore. Um, so we wrote the first one and we had like an ending if we needed to parachute, but image image, uh, are, are okay. The second volume. So now we're in a more difficult place where more things have come into it and it's getting more complicated in a good way, but it's going to make it much harder to, um, parachute out at the very end if we need to. So that's, it's, it's really, really tough. Um, we had a plan for a certain amount, which was like, you know, if we could do that much, I'd be happy. Um, but working on the book, there's just so much more room to do cool stuff, to play around with things. It definitely has legs beyond what we are, what are, our basic plan. Our basic plan is more than one volume, but like I said, we didn't know if we'd get there. So we're in a really great place now where I feel like we're getting to cash in on the first volume what we've established and we can kind of go a bit nuts. But yeah, we're breaking. We're 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 writing the second volume now, and we're in a tough place where it's like I, like this is going to be a great place to end volume two. If the book doesn't sell, like <laughs> it's going to be a terrible place to end the series. <laughs> you know? um, so everybody, go buy t- the book. <laughs> yeah, please, please, uh, everyone, go buy buy the book. Um, uh, so because yeah, because the concept has legs, it's it's going to be very hard to uh, um to uh, to end like. We have an end, but like you know you can't write to that end every volume you know right. it just doesn't necessarily work um so yeah we're we're trying to figure that out now at the moment but i I don't know I think we're gonna just write the we're gonna write it as a second volume and then hope for the best I think um because yeah I also don't want to neuter the second volume uh on the off chance on how things go it's it's tough I mean it's tough for everything part of me wanting to do this is I want to do an ongoing book not like like say the previous things i've done have been mini series or graphic novels i want or a you know single graphic novel i want to do something that would go longer um which is you know you don't even really get to do that at marvel or dc anymore like not mm-hmm. many books go on that long so this was this is my plan to try and basically generate a story machine where i can kind of just have ideas um you know run with them have rory and joe do all the hard work while I just reap the glory. I mean, that's ultimately it's ultimately just for you know me getting a, a, a attention and praise. But um, uh, but uh, yeah, as a storyteller, that's something I, I've never gotten to do. That you know, I've never gotten to write something that develops and uh, um you can take different chances on things because everything has to wrap up within eighty to hundred pages. Um, so we're in that place now where I feel like it's gonna it's actually getting really exciting. Um, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see where we go. So, yeah, please buy the book. Speaking of books that you
1: should buy, let me pivot to another book of yours that I'm a big fan of, which is Bog Bodies. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> you had a look on your face like, what book could he possibly be talking yeah, about? Like, <laughs>
4: there are no other books.
1: <laughs> uh, for anyone that hasn't read it, it's basically um, uh, an Irish gangster who's basically a boy uh, in the, like the Dublin mountains trying to escape other mob. Uh, Hitman, basically, trying not to die uh, earlier you talked about uh, how you don't like stories at handhold and you don't like uh, well you want a book that has like an emotional resonance in, in in this book, both narratively and artistically it's just very moody and atmospheric and uh, i I really uh, admire this book and I was wondering where you got the idea from and you talked about during the pandemic uh so, several of your ideas have gone belly up, but I was wondering if you just have this kind of rich treasure trove of like these Irish mafia noir stories in your in your belt, so to speak
4: uh yeah i mean um i i do i I have, an idea. I have two other ideas i mean actually I came up with this, with the, the idea for bagwalidies in this very room uh I was making a cup of tea and um I was looking out the window because I, I live in south dublin um near the Dublin, Wicklow Mountains, and I, I think I don't know. it just got in my head. It's like, geez, I'd hate to get stuck out there one, one night. Because yeah. <laughs> I I I used to live in the countryside when I was younger, and when it when it's dark, it's dark. But your eyes also adjust, and it's all just nature. You know, it's all just nature. But it's still you know, there's a moody and scary. Uh, even though nothing's really going to you know, um, there's no bit. You know, it's not like a shark's going to bite you or anything. But um, <laughs> I. I initially came up with the idea as a project for um uh, a guy I was tutoring effectively I was uh, doing a, a, a mentorship and by the end of it I wanted to have a project that he could um draw like a story because I'd been helping him with like his inking and storytelling and stuff so I wanted to give him a, a thing he could do but he ended up getting a job so he didn't he didn't need it <laughs> um, and, I, and I had that idea I was sitting on that idea and I um uh, Gavin Fullerton is an, uh, is an, uh, another artist from Ireland who, um, I just thought was really good. He, he, he was, he went to the storytelling class I was teaching in Dublin and, um, he showed me his stuff and he works animation. He's just like chameleon for different styles. And, um, I just felt like I would love to make something that could be a portfolio piece for him. Um, and we started working on Bog Bodies and then he got a job at Boom Studios and he didn't need me anymore. But, uh, but he, but he still wanted to do it. So once he was done, um, yeah we made that happen and that was that was, that was something again, it was it, yeah, I wanted to make something I guess emotionally resonant, uh, but I, I, I do I do like the idea of dipping into this genre every now and then uh, uh, i I'm, I'm calling it um uh, my paddy Wackery stories <laughs> uh, Paddy, whack, uh? <laughs> um, But uh, yeah, because I mean, I like the crime I like writing crime. I like working with artists. I like working with Irish artists if I can Uh, give them a spotlight. And um, it feels like a mutually beneficial way for me to get stories made that I want to tell and, and spotlight artists who I think like have are talented. Um, They're not, they're not hit books or anything like they're, they're, they're fairly niche, but like um, they've made their money back. So, you know, I I can, I can, I can do more. I I just didn't want to do, i have a story i have an idea for another one but i i wanted to do something different before i went back to one of those stories i'd like i'd like to actually draw one sometime too mm. i'd like to maybe like do a 60 page novella or something you know I, I just haven't i haven't found that story yet i have a story for somebody else that i haven't had time to write yet but i'd like to maybe try to work on that next year um as maybe a mini series rather than a graphic novel but um but yeah, I, I have a, I'd have like to do one myself, I just haven't found a story that's going to work for 60 pages, but uh, I just like the idea of kind of having this little specific, for me it's basically my own personal criminal, you mm-hmm. know, um, I love Criminals are my favourite books and uh, I like the idea of just dipping into that world of Irish crime, uh, different time periods, I think Savage Town is like set like 2000, Bog Bodies is set now, um, maybe do something set in the 70s, like just just kind of mess around there, but um. Yeah, I don't know it, it it's fun. I it, it's very creatively rewarding to do. So um yeah, I'd li- I'd like to do more, but you know, I space them out so that like there's actually demand for them.
1: <laughs> you drop us in a book and uh you just kind of piecemeal the the story and the characters to us as we go along and by the time we get to the end, no spoilers, it's it's shocking. It's like
4: this is where it ends? Really? Oh, oh. my god. <laughs> just um uh, well th- thanks Matt. I I I mean, I actually think that story wraps up very satisfyingly. I if, loved it. If, if you if you think some things through, I mean, like there's some films that like end things in a weird way, and you're like, "What the what the fuck?" But um, <laughs> uh, I, I try to make sure it was satisfying in a way. But I but I also, you know, I like I like. I like done in one stories. I like reading st- some things. Some people have said to me, it's like, Oh, is there going to be a sequel? I'm like, no, like that's, that's, that's that. And I, that's not where I, I got. Sequels. That's not what I thought was going to happen. At yeah. the end. <laughs> um, but I, 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 really, I have a real soft spot in my, my, my heart for that book because I, I felt like, I think I, I think I pushed myself as a storyteller with that one more. Yeah. Um, Savage Town. I'm really, I'm really proud of like, but th- that's, I would say it's a relatively A to B story. Um, but uh, with Bog Bodies, I think I did something a little bit a little bit ballsier on not as a like not hugely brave or anything, but just um uh as a as a as a writer I felt I kind of pushed myself a little bit more on that because um it can it can you can really settle into just doing your job and telling the story and getting from A to B. And uh, especially if you're doing something creator owned, I kinda of feel like you need to kind of, you know it's like risk is we're very risk averse these days. And um, I wanted to try and like, if I was going to do something, I was paying everybody in the book. So really the only thing I was going to lose was money. So if that's the case, just, just make it everything I wanted it to be basically. the same with Savage Town too, which I know I said it was an A to B story, but you know, writing it in the accents and the, the, mm. the sp- very specific accents, um, working with Phil, who wouldn't be like, his work wouldn't be like mainstream style or anything, but it's exactly the book I wanted to make. Uh, I felt it was uncompromising in that way. And same with Bog Bodies. And I, I'm, really, I'm really proud of those two books because of that.
1: And uh, I'm a big fan of both of them as well. Thanks, man. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been kind of a nutty year, Declan. Uh, obviously, you've been collaborating with a lot of people and working on scripts and stuff, but in uh, the downtime... What if uh, I'm wondering, what have you been doing uh recreationally? What what have you been reading? What
4: have you been watching? Kind of curious. Nothing. I do not have <laughs> recreational time. Um, no that's it's, it's, well, I, I I don't read to be honest. I, I'm I'm constantly frustrated because I have like books by my drawing table in the bathroom, in the kitchen that are like building up books I'm meaning to read and then I'm buying more books and they just get on top of the books I already have. Um but, um, I am making the time to make sure i'm watching like I promise myself I'll watch a film a week cause i yeah. i realize i was. i think I went through a whole year where I barely watched film, so I'm trying to do better in that regard um but, but I, I am taking the time to watch some shows i uh i finished justified watching um deutschland uh eighty eighty three eighty six eighty nine at the moment uh, I don't think you know that its it's really it's a german series really like it mm-hmm. um what am i watching uh what I watched recently? I just finished watching Invincible. Um, ah, just savage. Savage. Very nice. Savage. Uh, watched Winter Sol- Falcon Winter Soldier. I was very let down with that. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I kind of keep watching show. I, I'm always trying to make sure I'm watching something that's getting me excited. Um, but I'm falling behind on my comic reading and my and, and books so frustrated, like I was just trying to find the time. I, a lot, because a lot of it's for research too, for stuff I want to write. So I can't mm-hmm. write it until I've read the books, and I, I haven't read the books because I'm writing something else. <laughs> uh, I, I w- when COVID hit, I mean, like I said, some th- things went belly up. So I, I, I went all in on work because uh, it's the one thing I could do. Couldn't do anything else. It's not like I'm going outside or meeting people. So I kind of dived all the way in, and uh, I'm still in it, um which sucks. Because before before COVID, I promised myself I was going to make sure I had more of a life. <laughs> and then COVID hit, and that went out the, the window. So, um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm I'm still very much uh, in work, but I got a lot of cool stuff that I'm working on. So I can't really complain, you know. The Jubilee book, that Jubilee, it's in the works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we are we are all excited for Time Before Time again. That's going to be uh, May 12th. I want to say that. You know, sometimes people get a little bit scared of picking up a time travel story. And this is one of the ones that I have read or consumed in any medium that is easy to get into. You don't have to think too much about the way that things work because it's all laid out for you beautifully Um, There's not even a lot of expository dialogue. So all the things that we worry about when we get into these kinds of stories are not there. And you can actually just sink your teeth into what is a very, very compelling uh, story that I I really hope uh, people who are listening to this give a chance to. I really think you'll like it. Um, Definitely go pick out Time Before Time. Uh, thank you for giving us your time, Declan, today. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, I, I really wish you all the success in the world with this book because, um, it it deserves it. It, It's, it's truly, it's truly good. And I cannot wait for issue two and three and all the rest to come. Yeah. We'll definitely be following along.
4: No, thanks. Thanks. I got, I got something planned for issue six, something a little different. So I'm working on the moment, some kind of hope. I don't know. I, I'm. It's been a really fun book to put a lot of creative ideas into. Uh, while I'm working away, like on on say Marvel stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I'm. 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 I'm glad it's coming across. Like, it feels like everything that I've been want we we're, we're trying to do has has gotten through to the reader. So that's uh, that's really gratifying. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything you
0: want to leave with the listeners? Any kind of words about what you have coming up down the pipeline or, you know, where people can find you on the internet? Uh,
4: Sure. Well, you can find me um, at Declan Shalvey, all one word, um, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, uh, That's about it. I have a newsletter um, uh, that I put out every two weeks where I kind of, I tend to like talk about through coded language, things that I'm working on that I can't talk about. Or sometimes I'll I'll sneak out a little, maybe cover that hasn't been solicited yet. So uh, yeah, you can sign up for there via, uh, if you, there's a link on Twitter, you can sign up. Um, But uh, yeah, nothing else I can actually talk about other than time before time. So by all means, jump jump all in on that, please.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Thank you again, Declan. And hopefully we'll talk to you soon down the road. Cheers. Thanks again uh, to Declan for joining us. That was awesome. Uh, Hopefully you guys do go pick up time before time. I think you'll really like it. It, It's it's quality stuff, Um, but we've got, A lot more show to do today. Uh, We've got listener comments from you guys. Uh, We're going to be talking about some casting news for the Green Lantern series uh, coming to HBO Max. Um, Invincible finished uh, this past week, and uh, it's renewed. So we'll be getting more of that. And we've got some more Hellfire Gala looks. What a week. And that's looks with a Q, okay? Not a K. That's looks with a Q. Uh, out this week X? as well. No, Oh, Q. You could
3: Q. do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with
0: a Q. Luke, Luke, Luke Q's.
3: Luke's, Luke's. Luke's. Oh, you're taking French. You should know.
2: <laughs> I, man, I haven't taken
3: French in years. <laughs> Wouldn't that be locks?
0: <laughs> Le- right, I see, I'm dealing with the wrong crowd for this. Q's? Uh, I was.
3: I was percent. just a bad joke about French. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> anyway, let's let's get into our listener comments from the week.
3: All right, cool. So this first one comes from Metal Clergy on our Radiant Black number three and Ultra Mega number two reviews over on YouTube. Uh, they wrote in and said, "Nice reviews. I'm really liking Ultra Mega. The art is very well suited, and the book is a refreshing twist on the kaiju genre. I found number two to be a slight departure, and enjoyed number one a bit more overall. But invested in finishing the series."
0: Nice. I think that that was kind of the consensus among the people here who enjoyed the first one, uh, that the second one was good, but it's not quite as good. Um, Glad you liked it, though, and really glad you liked our reviews. Hopefully you stick around and check out all the other reviews we put out every single week.
3: Yeah, looking forward to uh, number three. Uh, this next one comes from Kilgore Trout on that same review over on YouTube and said, I'm new here, so I don't know everyone's name, but I think someone said his name is Marco. Uh, I feel like his points and interpretations of both books are on point.
1: Um, He's not here
3: to talk about it, and then honestly, we're better for it. <laughs> I will say, though, I do appreciate Kilgore like coming in just to be like, you know what? This Marco guy, I agree with him. It's a good comment. Thanks, Kilgore. What, what if it's not Marco. That's even better. <laughs> it's actually this
1: guy writing it is Marco's burner account. <laughs> Great point. That Marco, he's so talented. <laughs>
2: Kill, Kilgore, we all know Mar- Marco's a Republican in disguise
3: oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> this uh, this next one goes from Joseph Winbore again over on the Radiant Black and Ultra Mega 2 reviews uh, I'm very interested in what is to come on Ultra Mega like hopefully all these loose ends will tie up triumphantly in the next two issues if not I won't be picking up this book any longer visuals are mm, good but I'm waiting for some super visuals that tell the story uh, versus so much text the intro with Eyeball Guy and him at the end were fucking dope that popping out of the tent finding his warrior uh that he needed was pretty damn cool fingers crossed for not being de- let down next issue
1: uh same i guess i mean my fingers are crossed too i wanted to be good uh, it's interesting that you find that the visuals are um, uh, maybe well let's say subpar I, it, to me that's been what's really driving the narrative here. yeah that's the main uh, event I, I i think your criticism about the uh the amount of the sheer amount of words that we're confronted with in both issues is totally fair, but man, the art is, I mean, you talk about the eye popping at the end of the first issue, like that to me is both issues and their sheer quality of of the visuals.
2: I don't know, man. I don't remember any words in number one. I mean, I'm I'm sure they were there, but (laughs) like I, for me, the visuals were, you know, the thing
0: to be there for. Mm. So like, I, I don't remember any of the words. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't care for the visuals either. I think it's, it's definitely a taste you have to, you have to have, you have to have the taste for that. Um, yeah. Maybe uh, this isn't really up Joseph's alley. Fair enough. It's fine to be wrong. Sean is all the time. <laughs> I, I'm i going to go out on limb and say, I'm probably the least wrong ever so um, <laughs> let's not even go there we did have a um, bit for a while where it was like hell is right <laughs> well dad
3: that's because it was so abnormal that's right <laughs>
0: <exactly. Yeah. laughs> um we actually had quite a few more comments about various different things but you know um we appreciate you guys writing in it means a lot uh we actually had one um a, a review on itunes that i wanted to, to to shout out um because it is something that you know we really appreciate when it happens um it doesn't it doesn't happen enough um so uh we thank you for that it was i'm trying to find it
1: i'm finding it you guys should definitely write your itunes reviews to us too if you haven't already
3: <laughs> yeah right please please head over if, if you're a long-time listener and you've never taken the time to give us the review or whatever like It is really, really helpful for getting us, you know, uh, beyond our sphere and getting more people to pay attention to the show. So, um, yeah, please go ahead over there and give us one of those sweet, sweet five star reviews. It's a busted
2: ass system, but it's the one we got. Mm
5: -hmm.
0: Yeah, it is. It is pretty, pretty bad. Uh, But here it is. Um, It was from Paul's 1688. He gave us five stars uh, and titled it Great Pals. Thank you very much for that. He said, after being introduced to his podcast by a friend, I'm hooked on this fantastic podcast and these great pals. Please please keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Pauls is actually a member of our Discord server. So, you know, he listened to the way I intro us and promo us, and he did everything. So uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, Pauls. Really appreciate that. And again, you Thank know, you. um, those are the kinds of things that really encourage us to keep doing this. And it lets us know that you're liking what we do. So, you know, those reviews that take you two seconds to, you know, put together uh, mean a lot to us. So thank you. And we appreciate everyone who, who does decide to do that or write into us in any way that you that you choose to interact. It, it's important.
3: Something I also listen to Sean, something I recently learned um, a huge part of YouTube's algorithm now uh, accounts for com- comments. So the fact that y'all have been heading over and having conversations in the comments and everything over on our YouTube channel is awesome. So thank you. Please keep
0: that up. Yep. Uh, the more the merrier, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's get into the the pals pulls. Uh, so Kale chose the good Asian, number one. So this... Uh is a new image
2: crime book coming out? Uh, very uh, crime noir that's set uh, in the uh, Japanese internment era of America. I believe it's set in San Francisco. sack. hmm is the yes uh, is back uh, is back with this book, and um, it's man, it is great. I, I would put it up there with, and this might sound controversial. Put it up there with Black Sad, okay. and the one person who would argue with that is in here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how do so, you
2: know how good it
0: is, Kill? Because I read it. How did you read it, Kill? with my eyes Sean It's a, pl- it's a plug Kale, okay? God, Image Image
3: sent us it's advanced not a plug, reviews. It's words. We're th- oh so thankful God. for Image to send us these ex- oh. these early copies. If you haven't checked it out, our review of the Good Asian number 1 is already up on all on your feed. So go check it out. Oh, there you go Sean. Another plug.
1: Here's another plug for you. Pornsec did the art for a book that we had a book club on called Infidel. That was sick. You should go check that book club out. Did he do Anyone? the art? Yeah, didn't he write that? Or excuse me, he wrote
3: it. So I already messed up the plug, but they you did know it. <laughs> oh man. A bu- couple of butt plugs here. <laughs> In any event,
2: uh yeah, I agree. And that's, and that's not even fair because those provide pleasure.
0: Hmm. Uh well, yeah. So we, we do have a review out. The book is good, and uh you should probably check it out. Both our review and the book itself. I think that's what Kale was getting at. Mm-hmm. Um Pete chose Swamp Thing Three.
3: Yeah, uh Swamp Thing's been a really fun ride. Um similarly to Plug, uh we did uh, a great interview with uh the writer Rom V and before that we had Mike Perkins, the artist on um just a few weeks before that. Both really great conversations and um I really have enjoyed uh both issue one and two. And um I'm I'm just excited to see more. Like I, I think what, what uh Rom and Mike have been doing has been really, really cool. And um as kind of a newer Swamp Thing fan. Um, it's fun to be reading something that's like new and like significantly new to the, the mythos, um, and be reading it as it's contemporary. Cause I've literally never done that with one thing before. Um, mm. so yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been a fun book to be a part of month to month and, um, it hasn't let me down yet. So I, uh, highly recommend it. To go with that.
2: There's a, a variant cover with poison Ivy on it by, um, Kyle oh, Hotz. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. And it is yeah. You might check our um, uh, uh our Zoom chat, Pete. Oh, okay. I put a link to it. Cool.
0: Um, it's very good. Absolutely. Um, I chose Eve number one. So Eve number one is a book coming from Boom, I believe, and it's it's one of those books that's like being super hyped, similar to how. Uh, something is Killing the Children with Super Hype. You know, it's, it's one of those. Um, it's selling out in pre-orders. People are really, really excited about it. And a lot of times I don't really, I don't really like get into all of that. Um, I just let the book be what it's going to be. Um, it's it's by Victor Lavelle and Joe Migjian. Uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm sorry if I, if I butchered that name. Um, but there is a cover for this book that I will not be able to buy because it's 75 bucks, but it's an Ario and Indido virgin cover. And it has Eve, the, the titular character and a bear, uh, like a, like a, like a stuffed bear writing on a piece of like wood or, or whatever in the water. And it's so amazing and funny. Um, and it, it sold me. It's like, Oh, this is the energy of this book. Gotta buy it. Uh, actually, now that I now that I think about it, now that I realize that's cover A as well. There's a there's another version of that without the the title on it. But yeah, that's cover A. So that's a must buy for me. Off that alone, it looks cool. The main character is a young uh, black girl, and that's that's pretty cool too. Um, in the spirit of Naomi, stuff like that. So I'll definitely be picking this up. Looks looks cool. Wild that you have to spend seventy five bucks on it though. Well, all right. Or I could spend $4 on the, uh, on. Yeah. But we all know you, you hate money. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm that's true. I'm
3: reading the, um, like I'm trying to like, see, does this bear talk?
0: Is that like a thing? Don't know. I'm interested. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, hope it talks. I mean, it it seems to move based on the way the covers are designed. It seems to be a part of the story. So I hope it moves. Um, yeah, I think this looks this looks like a lot of fun,
5: yeah.
0: Uh, and then I also chose Heroes Reborn number one. Now, I don't care about Heroes Reborn at all. I chose this specifically for cover F because, <laughs> <Is> it <Jean laughs> because Grey? it's absolutely not Jean Gray. Damn, um, Wonder Woman, it, it's it, it well, <laughs> Heroes Reborn as DC characters, <laughs> wait, not exactly not. but what it it really looks like wonder woman though yeah so uh this is this is the story of what if this it's not a what if exactly but uh the squadron supreme is basically the avengers because the avengers don't exist this is like an alternate reality tale spinning out of jason aaron's avengers story and whatever's going on in there has resulted in a world that the avengers don't exist in and now it's the squadron supreme of america who are uh you know supposed to keep watch over the world and they deal with you know, all these weird amalgamation characters like Dr. Juggernaut. I don't know if you guys remember when we saw that. It was like Mm -hmm. Dr. Doom and Juggernaut combined. Um, All that's fine. The cover features the Squadron Supreme version of Wonder Woman, and my God, it's an Art Germ cover. Art Germ is great. We all know that. Uh, I don't get that thirsty for covers all the time, but boy, oh boy. (laughs) And... Can you tell us what you see, Sean? Sorry? Can you tell us what you see on that cover? Like, uh, like- I see Wonder Woman. I see a a a very powerful uh muscular <laughs> presumably tall woman. <laughs> Her fucking neck
3: and- muscles are
0: terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and I and I I see that and I know that I need it. So I'll be picking it up uh and hopefully the book's good, I guess. <laughs> I don't really care, though. (laughs) Whatever.
3: (laughs) I'm just saying this. This Wonder Woman looks like she could squeeze your head like a fucking grape. (laughs) That's the point. Hell yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So uh, I'll be here for that. I'll let you guys know the quality of the book next week. Uh, So let's talk about conventions we talked last week about i think it was last week the return of new york comic con this week we're talking about the dc fandom dc fandom of course last year uh was a huge uh virtual event that dc put together where they showcased a lot of stuff they showcased um the new batman movie that's coming out by matt reeves uh which of course has since been delayed um they showcase that's where we learned about the static shock uh Milestone Revival and they showed some stuff from that um it's crazy to think that that was a year ago that this that this event happened yeah um but yeah so they're bringing that back uh this October um it was in August last time uh and it looks like this year they're gonna have so many things to show uh Suicide Squad Will be out already, but we're gonna have um, Black Adam stuff. I would imagine Shazam, Morf, more um uh, Batman. I can't really see how they would have Flash stuff to show because that literally just started uh, filming. And by Keith. the way, we yeah, we know that um, we know that uh, Michael Keaton will actually be in it. He's confirmed. Oh, good, uh, good. That he will be in it. Yep, that he is in it. So yeah, um, we know that. We don't know if this event is going to have people i know that was a big question if it would have fans actually attending i doubt it um they're saying it's a global event that leads me to believe that it's going to be virtual again this year yeah and frankly i think that makes a lot of sense because the way that they produced it uh it, it worked out i think it was a it was a hit it was a success and you can't do the you, the way this was done you can't exactly do that when you have physical fans present so um i think this is smart for dc i would be interested though to see how they would put their heads together and come up with a version of the fandom that does have fans present i i wonder if
3: they might eventually do that i could see it being a lot like um that event that PlayStation used to hold a couple of years ago, they haven't done it in a while, but uh, they called it PSX. And the whole thing was that it was like they had a convention hall and, you know, somewhere in California, I think it was San Diego. And it was like you had fans there, you had journalists there and people on the show floor or whatever. And all of the, you know, the stuff that we saw on the fandom side of things, um, you know, all the panels, all the trailer reveals, all the kind of stuff that Sean's talking about. Um, They have those things in kind of like a typical Comic-Con, you know, E3, whatever presentation where it's people on a stage or whatever, and you broadcast that part. And then the rest of the event is, you know, the in-person stuff and that like all of the in-person stuff is not anything that you would like. Bother broadcasting or like be able to like it was more about like vendors and like tournaments and you know meetups and like it's more of a community based thing. So I I feel like if you kind of adopt a similar model to what you know we do at comic con right where the show floor is the show floor and the panels the biggest panels are are broadcast on Twitch or wherever or you know on the Fandom website. Um, I feel like that could be a cool evolution, but I definitely agree with what you're saying, Sean, and that this being a digital first event, um, I think is the wise choice because it served them so well last year. It was like such a hype moment and like everybody on Twitter was talking about it, you know, like they they had their, you know, um the the world stage that day to be able to go out and and, you know, pedal their wares. Um of which they have a ton, you know? And like, I think that was, we saw Gotham Knights there for the first time too, right?
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. And we we saw our favorite movie trailer, Wonder Woman 1984.
3: (laughs) Little did we know. Um, Sean fell in love with Cheetah. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I I think, I think like with how multifaceted what DC does is, um, doing something like this where they can control the moment and, um, you know, and, and not have to compete for oxygen with, whatever marvel trailer also came out that day or whatever um yeah it's smart it makes a lot of sense for them and i'm glad that that they're doubling down on it um i think we thought they would last year but you know it being a pandemic pivot you never really know how that was going to play out but yeah. now that it's two years in a row I, if this is a success i bet you this is a thing they do indefinitely you know
1: it, it is worth noting i think when this happened last year the fandom this was pretty early still in the pandemic when there was a big appetite for kind of more virtual-based content in general. There was a fervor for just uh, news and stuff to happen because the world had just completely shut down. Uh, I wonder now, as, as specifically in the, in the United States, as more and more restrictions are eased, uh, how much of an appetite there is for an all-virtual event like this. Uh, people are going to be wanting to do things beyond the confines of their own home, you know?
0: I think that's a pretty reasonable point. Um, I will say that the the fact of the matter is that there are a lot of places where you can't necessarily do all that jazz, and conventions are still up in the air as far as, like, whether or not people are ready for that, whether or not they'll attend, how many people will be able to go. So this just says, hey, we're not alienating anybody. If you can't come, don't worry about it if you can't you know if you don't feel safe or comfortable, it's not a concern. I think that um, there still is a need for this type of thing, and the fact that you know d c are the ones that are fulfilling that need um, is a good look for them the same way the last one was a good look for them because that no one else had anything. I don't know about putting it on October, especially because we know yeah. now that um we will have nycc and i was one of the people saying man you know why is dc uh forsaking you know comic-con at this point and of course last year that was really smart because there we did you know comic-con was not was kind of a downer um and new york comic-con happened kind of there was a virtual thing but it wasn't it wasn't anything um that people really were into it wasn't like a fandom. Yeah. Um This year, though, now that we know there will be a physical convention in New York and in San Diego, D.C.'s lack presumed lack of presence there in favor of their own event does rub me the wrong way. But given what a success fandom was last time around, I feel like, all right, fine. Let's see what you got.
3: Yeah, it is also cool that it's free, you know, like it's it's just like literally anybody can watch it anywhere. And like if you miss it live, it's all archived for a few days. And yeah, I don't know. It's cool. I'm I'm glad to see that they're trying to evolve the brand and and uh, see what they can do with it because I do think that these kinds of events, um, you know, are are the future in a lot of ways. I think even in a, a post you know pandemic society, like there are people that don't want to go to conventions, there are people that can't afford to go to conventions, there's people that you know are immunocompromising, can't be in those kinds of scenarios, right? So like, um, there's definitely an audience for this stuff. Um And I think the more you commit to it and the more that you try to make it a premium experience that feels special um like they did last year, uh the more people respond to it,
0: you know, yeah, I will say i don't know I don't know the viability of this uh long term as a free thing um I think that what w- one of the things that's so special about comic con is that it is an experience that you get to have that does involve. Meeting creators and, you know, seeing your friends and yada, yada, yada. And that's always going to be valuable. DC is going to have to find a way to make money off of this. And I don't know how I don't. I know like Blizzard does their thing every year, BlizzCon, and obviously they make money off that selling those tickets. Um, I don't know if DC will be able to do the same thing. It'll be interesting to see what the fandom looks like next year.
3: Yeah, I'm wondering if like <clears throat> if the path forward isn't like some corporate sponsorships, maybe some commercials, you know, um or like maybe you you do go that route of like what Blizzard does where you sell like a premium pass to certain people, but like the big stuff is still free because, you know, it's it's part of their marketing machine, right? Like that, you know, um having to have an event to reveal trailers and stuff like that is something that like you know that that's accounted for on some level with some of the you know the film's actual um marketing dollars, but to your point, right like they put a lot of work into it last year, and I can't imagine it was um was cheap to produce at the at the scale and at the um the quality that they were able to provide so yeah if 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 they do have plans to keep it going, they're gonna have to figure out a way to at least you know. Not make it a hundred percent sunk cost, right? Even if it costs them something.
1: Let me ask you this question, guys. You know, do you feel excited about it this time? We were excited last time, I remember.
0: Uh, I don't even know if I was actually. Yeah. Um, and I think I thought it was going to be a, a, a blunder, hmm. and it wasn't that. I don't. I'm not excited this time because I'm not going. It's not a physical yeah. event, and there's something about. The experience or, or even if I don't go, the knowledge that there are people there, the physicality of it, um, that anything can happen, right? Like when you have the cast on stage, you know, someone yells something out and they react to that. And Those moments can't happen in this type of thing. And so because it's such a, a, a produced, curated experience, it's hard to get excited for it before the fact. It's more sterilized. It's very sterile. Yes, Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting. I don't... Hype for events like this is something that, like, I feel like um, is very hit or miss for me because, like, in general, like, I don't know, if I was more of a DC head, I might be more hype about it, um, but as kind of a more casual fan, I, I think it's something that, like, I'll be excited about the week of, of like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what news we'll get to talk about on the show. Like, it'll be a cool week, um, but it doesn't necessarily have the juice for me that, you know, other similar events um, might, you know? And, and I think to Sean's point, like the not being a thing I'm going to definitely impacts that. But like, you know, I get hype about like um, Nintendo directs, right? Or, Or E3 or something like that. and I don't go to those, but it's something that, like, it is so normalized now, and I have an idea of what to expect. The fact that we're sitting here being like, well, what will they show, and what will it be like, I think is part of the the impact for me, where, like, if this year is really good and cements the fandom as a thing to, to pay attention to and be hyped for, I could see in year three being like, ah, last year, though. You know, like, they really nailed it, so... I think right now it's it's a little too uh blue for me to like to get that invested in it.
0: All right. Well, um we we do have longer to wait than than last time. Uh they will be back in October. Um so yeah, we will we will definitely see more of the Batman, which if I'm hyped for anything, it's that movie. Man. That, trailer they put out was bomb and i i just cannot wait for that so uh i presume we won't see anything from the movie or any of these movies until that point so for that alone october 16th couldn't come sooner
3: i want to see uh i want to see peace walker peace walker <laughs> peace maker, <laughs> maker sorry <laughs> i'm thinking that's that's a metal gear solid game <laughs> 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 i want to see john cena <laughs>
0: No, you can't you can. see him. I can't. Yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> I get that reference. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of DC properties, uh, we've got a little bit of casting news for the Green Lantern show that's going to be dropping on HBO Max. Uh, we now know that Finn Witchrock has been cast as Guy Gardner in that show. Now, i don't have a lot of familiarity with guy gardner he's not a character that i um have seen a ton of in in comics or otherwise i know who he is but i'm not super aware of him uh i can say that uh finn does not look like guy gardner he's got the the red like bowl cut hair hair um kill uh, and Phil, I guess you guys are the, are more entrenched in that type of stuff. How do you feel about this casting?
2: I, uh, I, the, the hair, which is, I think one of the more signature, um, guy Gardner things is, I mean, whatever, like the guy, the guy who plays Archie has uh, my color hair and they just dyed it super bright red and you know, whatever. Uh, but, um. Uh, I think w- the thing that I found the most interesting was in the description of the character. They described him as hyper patriotic.
1: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say
2: that about Guy at all. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a period of time where he um, he had powers outside of the Green Lantern uh, power set, and I can't re- I'm, I'm I can't remember what that was called. At the time, but I don't recall that it had anything to do with patriotism whatsoever. Hmm. Uh, so I'm curious to see what they're going to do.
1: Warrior was his name.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this character. Because the the brief synopsis they gave about the show, uh, it, it really... Sets Guy Gardner up in an interesting way that fits for the character, mm-hmm. but again, that hyper patriot thing throws me a little bit,
1: <laughs> yeah, um well, Guy Gardner, I would say, is one of those characters that has like a big cult following online, yeah, if you go on a lot of message boards, I would say Guy Gardner often stands out at least over the years is like perhaps the most popular green lantern among like internet nerds if that makes sense yeah i mean that uh, certainly that was my experience uh growing up during the jeff johns era of green lantern and everyone's just clamoring for guy clamoring for more guy Gardner. uh you know it's been that's been you know 13 years since then and you know hal jordan has certainly reemerged as the green lantern we have a whole generation of people our age who grew up with john stewart in the cartoon iteration so you know i'm not saying guy Gardner is the most popular green lantern because i certainly think that's not true but you know with a certain demographic of nerds people like that character a lot um his big appeal though is that he's extremely brash mm-hmm. You know, you see him a lot in, like, funny panels threads where he'll be, like, mooning Batman from outside the Justice League <laughs> watchtower and stuff like that. <laughs> his, his entire gimmick is that he's just a giant pain-in-the-ass wild card. Right. Yeah. Uh, with regard to the casting, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not familiar with Finn in uh,
3: other media. I, I was reading a little bit, like, it seems like the thing he's most known for is he worked on... Um...
1: American Horror Story, yeah,
3: and then like there's another. I think there's a spinoff. It looks like a American Crime Story. He's like done some stuff on those, but um, yeah, like he's he's done a good amount of work, but not a lot of stuff that seems like super breakout. So to to me,
1: Guy is a character that can't be the main Green Lantern of a story. You know, when he was on Justice League International in the '80s, he was the main Green Lantern, but he was a secondary character. He was more. You know, he fit, a, he fit a character archetype in that sure. team dynamic. You know, uh, I have no problem with Guy Gardner being in this show. He certainly can't be the main character.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you on that. I, I really, I'm not sure what the what the goal is with this show. I know that um, for a while there was talk about a um, a Green Lantern. So there were two. There were two concepts that I saw floating around. One was uh, a concept of. I think it was actually Guy Gardner. Or no, no, no. That was the that was the green that was the Green Arrow concept where he was in Supermax prison.
1: Which would have worked. That was a Which, cool concept.
0: Yeah, the Green Lantern concept that I saw was a buddy cop idea that they were going to yes. do.
1: Wasn't yes. it like Jack Black attached to that concept or something?
3: I don't know. I th- I think you're thinking of like years ago. Like okay. I think a long time ago there was a rumor about that project, but I don't think that's related to this.
2: Okay. So have you guys seen the synopsis of what this show looks like it's gonna be? No. Oh, I was trying to sure. find it. I, got, I so um I, I briefly read it, but my understanding is that it would be uh more I, I guess more anthology based. Okay, so the Guy Gardner section of the story will take place in the '80s, and then uh, there's an Alan Scott story that will have him as like a, a secretly gay, like FBI agent or something. And then
5: uh,
2: I think there are also like other Space Lantern parts. So it seems like it's going to be more like a Green Lantern core s- series as opposed to. Focusing on one lantern.
1: It sounds based on your description, that sounds like a true detective type setup where each season or something would focus on a different story with the Green Lanterns or whatever. Yeah, with Guy Gardner season or an Alan Scott season or whatever. Uh that's all well and good as long as I get my Kilowog season.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the pooser Yeah. I, I'm 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 less compelled by that. I feel like Green Lantern is a character that they have failed in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And it's weird because I think that there's so much that can be done with that character that people would like. Um
1: he was huge for a good minute. Back when Jeff John's Green Lantern run was coming out, like he was arguably their second biggest character at the time next to Batman.
3: Like he was hot. It was a movie made. It's it's odd to me that it it has been such a failure because like like you said right i think green lantern is, is certainly a, a concept that is like s- super well known and like you think about you know the different at-bats they've had recently with like wanting to set up teams and stuff like that like there's so many green lantern characters that are like beloved and you know like you could easily like you could easily have a Green Lantern franchise or a Green Lantern on any team and not have to do John, St- uh, John Stewart or, you know... Um, Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan or Guy Gardner. Like, it could be anybody, right? So if it was like a, oh, like, do we really want another, like, white dude on the team? It's like, oh, it doesn't have to be. Like, you know, right. you've, you've, and, like, they are characters that, like, like, Phil said, like, of any of them, Jon Stewart would be the one I'd be the most excited to see because he's the one I remember from the Justice League cartoon. And that's, like, that... Is my you know uh, original touch point for DC characters?
1: There's a bunch like I mean, it seems like everyone grew up with like a different Green Lantern. You know, people that are diehard Wally West type fan people like they grew up with Kyle Rayner, and that's their Green Lantern. Sure. Like, those Gen Xer types, like every generation or or what have you, have like their own Green Lantern. And so there is a room for just so much stuff you can do with it uh, in a in a larger adaptation sense. And maybe this show does that. Yeah, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but to me, this feels uh kind of hypeless for something that's gonna be on HBO.
0: Well, people forget that Green Lantern was actually the character that um DC chose to start their their universe, right? Like yeah. he was supposed to be their Iron Man. That was the big idea, and of course, you know, that failed the Ryan Reynolds project, and it's become the meme of the meme of uh the DC meme, the biggest DC meme. Um I think that they got kind of scared and they learned the wrong lessons from that. Um, Green Lantern. He? Right. Uh, Green Lantern should not be relegated to a TV show. And I understand that these shows now are elevated and um, we're supposed to think of them differently, but Green Lantern should have been in the justice league movie. Um, he should have been one of the original seven that they were going with. And the fact that that's not the way they've done it is kind of weird. I think a show like this works really well as a, a side piece sure. to a, a, a movie. Um, but you're you're introducing not only the concept of the Green Lanterns, but then several different ones all throughout these different eras at the same time. I think that's a lot. And I'm not certainly not saying it can't work. I'm sure it can work. Will it work? I think is a different question, and um, I'm not sure the answer. If, Let, in l- in
1: fairness, HBO is often often delivers when it comes to stuff like this. That I think is
3: the thing that has me uh, that has me a little bit more confident in it than it sounds like you are, Sean. Just knowing that, like with HBO, like you're going to get a certain level of budget, you'll be able to attract a certain level of talent. Um, that maybe that could be a really cool inroad for Green Lantern, because, like, you think about, you know... um, We we talked about this a lot with, like, Wonder Woman before the, the first movie of that, like... She, in the comics, is, like, a character that is on the level of Batman or Superman, but, like, for our generation, hadn't had that cultural touchstone in the way that, like, the TV show was for, like, our parents' generation or whatever. And, like, I feel like with Green Lantern, to the point you made earlier, Sean, right, the one popular culture touchstone in recent memory is like one of the biggest flops meme whatever you want to call it um that kind of i think made the the stock of that character take a hit in like the public consciousness and i could imagine like a really cool you know different dynamic maybe a little bit like grittier hbo series that shows you like there's so much more to the Green Lantern than you realized and that like there's this vast mythos and all this stuff as kind of like a, you got a taste of that? You like that? Cool. Green Lantern's relevant again. Now let's try to go that more traditional route now that we've kind of like, you know, clawed back a little bit of that cachet, a little bit of that coolness factor, you know? I wonder if that might work out in their
0: favor for this one. Or at least I hope so. I think it'll be really telling which Green Lanterns are a part of this show and which ones are not. Mm. I think that that's going to be very interesting because if they don't do, if Hal's not a part of it, if Jon Stewart's not a part of it, then that tells me that they're saving those characters for something else. Um, Do you like the idea of that? Or do you think that would diminish your
3: enthusiasm for the show because it's missing those a characters or would you rather them
0: save them? Um, I think what it tells me is that they want to introduce those characters in a more specific way that's really about them and that the show is more about the concept of yeah. Green Lanterns in general. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't think that that's the way to introduce the ca- the concept because it's, it is such a big thing. That, you know, um, the idea that it starts from one guy, the idea that it starts from Hal or it starts from John, and then you go backwards in time and you say, and by the way, all these other lanterns have existed with a show down the road. I think that makes a lot of sense mm. doing it the other way is a little rough because it, it there's no guarantee that the audience you need to see or the audience that needs to see this show will have seen this show sure um all the things about uh the the memeification of the green lantern will still be true when this show comes out the only difference is that accessibility will prevent a wider audience from watching this whereas with a movie all you need is a ticket and hype will get people through the door for that whereas it may not for a show that you have to subscribe to a to a streaming service for so I'm very curious as to how this whole thing's going to play out. I don't think it's smart, but if the show is good, that's always the most important factor, right?
3: Like if it's as good, or or like at least of a relatively similar quality, maybe not as like intelligent um, as like Watchmen. I could see that buzz being really helpful for a proper Green Lantern movie of like, oh, you know, it feels like they're getting it, they're figuring it out, you know. But to your point, yeah, like HBO is certainly not as accessible. Yeah. Uh, quickly, let me read the the official synopsis. Uh, sure.
2: Uh, it says uh, this is from the the bleeding cool announcement. Uh, beginning on Earth in 1941 with the very first Green Lantern, secretly gay FBI agent Alan Scott, and 1984 with cocky alpha male Guy Gardner, and half alien Bree Jarta. Along the way, oh, I'm mi- uh, sorry, I missed a part. <laughs> Stemming from Berlanti Productions in association with Warner Brothers, the series narrative is expected to span decades in galaxies, beginning on Earth in 1941 with the very first Green Lantern, Alan Scott, in 1984, with cocky alpha male Guy Gardner and half-alien Bree Jarta. Along the way, they will encounter a number of both new and familiar lanterns. Uh, Witchrocks Gardner is described as a hulking mass of masculinity and quote an embodiment of 1980s hyper patriotism yet uh, unquote yet much like the comics
1: to me sounds like we are not going to get sean uh john stewart or hal jordan if we're going to stop to the 80s right well
2: and they wouldn't let Snyder use uh John in uh even the Snyder cut. Yep. Uh the, so
0: the the Martian Manhunter cameo that was supposed to be Green Lantern. Yeah. Mm. yeah.
3: I didn't realize that this was a Berlanti joint. Yeah. That's yeah. a bummer. That dude's
2: been trying to <laughs> that dude's been trying to get uh uh Green Lanterns and his stuff for fucking years.
0: Well, um, we'll we'll find out more about that as the story develops. But um, it's an interesting concept, to say the least. One thing we're sure about, though, is that Invincible is coming back. Let's go. So <laughs> uh, season one resolved this past Friday. And uh, on that same day, well, the day before, uh it was It was announced through Twitter that we would be getting not just a season two but a season three of the show. Um, Robert Kirkman said the following i'm extremely thankful.' to amazon for the support and dedication they put behind invincible the comic book is truly a love letter to a genre that cory walker and i grew up reading and loving and it's been a gratifying journey to watch our character come to life again through the animated series we're beyond excited to continue this story for at least two more seasons so uh this of course gives them the space to develop these two seasons uh presumably alongside each other because now they know that they will be getting all of this uh there are a lot of question marks as far as you know will they retain the same uh hour-long format will they um you know will they improve in certain aspects like will the animation change at all um what are the length of the seasons like is it eight episodes is it more well exactly so there are some question marks there But Invincible fans can at least rest assured that we will be getting more.
3: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, I'm extremely happy about this. Um, What Sean just called out is I think the primary reason I'm hype about it. Like, If it had just been a renewal for a season two, of course, I would have been happy about that. Um, But the idea that uh, Amazon is happy enough with the performance... That um, that they feel confident enough to order two seasons at once, I think, speaks to um, what the viewership has been like. Because that's not something they've actually really commented on. They've said it is a success, but not actually how many people are watching it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that speaks to the fact that they seem satisfied with it, um, and that you know, with a, a longer order of episodes, there's a, a much much better ability to you know, um, not have to write a season arc as much, right? And to be able to focus more on a show arc. And, of course, we want there to be, you know, a feeling of that progression season to season and everything. But, like, one of the things we talked a lot about in our our kind of our wrap-up conversation about season one during our episode eight review, which you can go check out right now, um, we watch Invincible, um, was that the compressed... Uh, number of episodes and that, you know, that tighter kind of storytelling, um, that pacing was for better and worse, you know, and and knowing that they only had one season to tell this story and that they needed to, you know, have a a strong, you know, vision for what that arc was going to be, because this could be the only chance to sell people on it. Um right. I think, it, I think it makes it easier for me to understand why some of the decisions that I didn't vibe with as much were made um, because it seems like they worked a lot for the average viewer. Um, but now that we've kind of gotten people on the hook, there's a, co- a cultural conversation about Invincible going on and people who have an idea of what it is and, and what to expect from it. Um, I'm excited to see that creative team kind of like take their learnings from season one, coalesce a little bit, and and i and hopefully right move forward through 2 and 3 um with a stronger vision and with you know the ability um whether it's because you know of increased experience and know-how as a team but also probably a bigger budget um that they can improve on some of the the technical stuff that that sometimes um i think reared its head in season 1 you know like there's definitely room for improvement on the animation side of things there's definitely um, room for evaluating the pacing of of each episode and and how much gets done in it or or what have you and and I think um with the benefit of hindsight, but also the support of the network and ideally you know um a lot more space to work with, I think a lot of those those uh things that we that we kind of dinged it for are are things that I could very much see it growing beyond. In the way that a lot of you know big network shows, the first season is kind of a, a proof of concept and yeah, it really finds its feet in the second or the third season, you know.
1: Yeah, you know what? After this news, the creators and showrunners of the show must be feeling pretty uh invincible.
0: <laughs> well, well played, played. <laughs> cut <laughs> 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 so uh, this is anecdotal, but um. A lot of my friends uh, have spoken to me about this show. And mm-hmm. um, these are people who traditionally watch uh, anime. They love anime and superheroes, but, you know, Marvel movies, essentially, or DC, DC content. And it f- seems as though um, Invincible is scratching the it, the anime itch as well as the superhero itch at the same time on a medium ground. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And something that I didn't anticipate. So um, I think that the, the, the fact that it got renewed for a second season only increases the odds that more people find it and more people engage with it. And at this point, now that we're getting these, these additional seasons, I really wonder what this means for the potential movie.
3: I I think it has a a really good shot of actually coming together now. Um we talked about it when it was announced originally. And you know, I I've kind of expressed my concerns of just you know, and you guys have all read, you know, the first 35 issues now. Um Invincible's massive. Like it is a massive story, right? Like the story starts when Mark is is a teenager and you really go through like his whole life. Um and that's not something you can really do in a a tight movie arc, a three movie arc or something like that. Just doesn't, isn't going to work. Um, and what I think is cool is, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Robert Kirkman was, uh, actually a guest on my favorite podcast, uh, the kind of funny podcast. And, um, spells. Yes. And, uh, Oh my God, I'd love to get him on. Are you kidding me? And, uh, <laughs> he was talking about how the, the, kind of trajectory he sees for the movie is that you know whenever it does come together, it will have to be different in the way that the show was different from the comics. The movie will be different from both the show and the comics, and some things will be familiar and some things will be very unfamiliar so i i I genuinely think that unless they are able to commit to you know we 're going to do this for six movies or whatever, you know something like that. Um, I think they're gonna have to reevaluate how the story gets told um to really try to boil it down, but I do think now that um there is that increased cultural cachet, I'd be surprised if the movie isn't um far far more imminent than it ever ever
0: could have been before. sure well, um write in because write in and let us know your thoughts about Invincible because i I do think um it's interesting where people are with it like again in my life a lot of people have watched it I haven't necessarily followed the conversation on Twitter so I don't know um if it's broken ground you know the world over um, sure seems um, that way okay good yeah uh well write in and let us know what you thought about invincible season one and uh and and also Did you read the comic or is this your first intro to the story? I'm very curious about those things. Um, So yeah, hit us up at gmail.com and uh, chat with us a little bit about that. So uh, last up, we're going to talk about the Hellfire Gala. So a few weeks ago, we talked about all of these different costumes that were designed uh, for... hellfire gala which is going to be this massive event not only in uh the comics but in the for these characters you know this is going to be the equivalent of like i don't know um the met gala i guess yeah um and not only are we going to i'm sure there's going to be another dinner scene um and all (laughs) of that and and presumably some form of a red carpet but there will also be Um, the debut of the new X-Men team. Uh, So lots to look forward to for this event. Uh, We don't have terribly long to wait uh, because it it will be kicking off in June, but we wanted to show off all of the looks that have been revealed. I think there's something like 65 um, that that are out now. And a lot of them came from the Hellfire Gala special that came out this past week, the the, the free issue, um, which we thought was for Free Comic Book Day, but it turns out Free Comic Book Day is actually just in August again this year. Mm, um, okay. I didn't. I wasn't able to get a copy of the free issue, um, which sucks. But Midtown didn't have any. I really wanted to check it out. But in any event, uh, we're gonna we're gonna actually show off these these uh these awesome costumes here uh as i switch over to that uh on youtube for you guys so on youtube if you're if you're watching us on youtube you'll be able to see us taking a look at all of these awesome costumes this is the cover of uh the marauders 21 issue um and it showcases um five of the Marauders members. So here we have Pyro and (laughs) this is is such a weird, a weird look. He's got the, the face, um, the skull Skull tattoo. tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. the, The skull tattoo, uh, which we thought was a crazy, but fun look for him here. It does add to the design of his costume. I liked how they, yeah. I like how they incorporated that. Yeah. Yeah. um, this is not something you could really ever wear in the street but in the Hellfire Gala I think this is perfect. I like the the flames on his on his uh shoulders and on the arm the arm of his of his jacket. Um of course again speaking to what pyro is and his power i do kind of wish they actually incorporated his mutant power into his look as they have done for other characters we can see it here with iceman i think that would be really appropriate for pyro but what do you guys think about pyro i will
1: have to settle for the tassels
3: well i was gonna say like it's funny like you said the thing of like you could never like wear this out but like it's such a like i could see him wearing this in like miami you know, like <laughs> I mean, you if you aren't a coward, <laughs> <laughs> if you're bold as fuck, like I love that. It's just his shirt is just like a fringe, like drape. You know, like it's it's, it's yeah, awesome. I want to see Pete in
1: this outfit. If I'm being honest, dude,
3: I I feel like I could rock it. Yeah, man, I'm I'm not joking. <laughs> um, I genuinely really like the the color of it. Like this, the maroon like suit look with the with the the tan shoes is pretty sick. <laughs> Yeah. Just regular fucking shoes too. Yeah, they're kind yeah, of just, just like brown regular dress or whatever. shoes. Yeah. <laughs> they're just nice. Yeah, they're just good looking loafers. Like, all right.
2: <laughs> the, the, the guy who made his the suit was just like, Oh yes, and and surely you must have some nice uh pyro footwear or whatever. He's
3: just like, Oh, I just got these brown shoes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey man, uh, sometimes a classic is all you need. Next up is Sebastian Shaw, who is wheelchair bound. Um, he's seen better days. (laughs) Yeah. He got roughed up pretty good by Kitty and Emma in a recent issue of Marauders. And not only is he rocking his wheelchair, but he's also in an eye patch. Um, he looks pretty Sebastian Shaw. There's nothing. Yeah.
1: The, uh, professor Xavier look is quite an interesting look since, uh, Charles retired that look for, uh, Krakoa these days so uh, he's kind of doing a throwback there but uh
0: by being in a wheelchair that's right
2: Uh,
1: you know Professor X's signature look that's right I gotta tell you though uh, he dresses up well for a man who uh, has been (laughs)
3: like I said seen better days (laughs) yeah it's it's cool like it's not a bad look it's just a little plain like it doesn't look like something that's that outlandish for him to be wearing normally so like I kind of wish it was a little bit more like high fashion
0: because that's kind of the thing, you know? I'm glad it's not because... uh, So in story, all the looks are designed by Jumbo Carnation, who is obviously very aligned with Emma, and I don't think that they would be lending their talents to him. Yeah, that makes sense. So he's also a very like kind of, you know, rigid person. Hmm. So I, I definitely see him not really playing into the whole gala thing, especially with what he's been through lately. That makes sense. Um, moving on to Banshee, though. Yo. I have
2: opinions. Okay. Cape, tremendous. I love, love that cape. Yes. Love yeah. it. I would, Brilliant. I would kill to wear that cape every <laughs> single day for the rest of my life.
3: The fact that it like also looks like a blazer is like fucking tremendous. really... It's
2: so cool. A plus. <laughs> the, the fur? Su-
3: the, si- the fur? Incredible. Hmm?
2: The suit? terrible i hate that blazer that jacket i hate that the tie isn't attached to anything oh i like it
3: no oh i like it throw out the whole man i i i think it uh it having the shorter um pant legs kind of brings that together for me like it looks like kind of it reminds me of like um like a linen like summer suit kind of look but like with a weird vampire cape. I'm here for it. I don't know. It's a good look, I hey, think.
2: Pant, Yeah, pants are completely unobtrusive. They're very sartorial. They're fine. Gloves, I even like the gloves. That jacket and tie have to go.
1: Now, I'd like to draw attention, gentlemen, to the fact that, like Pyro, my man is wearing normal ass shoes. With no socks. It's a hip look, dude. It's very modern. Yeah. Neither I mean, of them are wearing socks by the look of it.
2: Lots of, uh, no, I think, uh, oh, they might be full boots, but it looks like uh, Sebastian is.
1: No, 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 I meant pyro and and banshee, of course. Oh, sorry,
0: yeah. What do you really do with men's shoes though? Like, it's kind of, you know, yeah, you either get
3: crazy gaudy boots or, yeah, shoes. And I I feel that doesn't work with like a a suit look, you know? Yeah, Yeah. I love this banshee look, he
1: looks like. A very regal Irish lord. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, I love it. But him. a bit of a punk. Yeah. yeah. Which is definitely Banshee's energy. Uh speaking of energy, we move on to Bishop. And he I don't know what's going on here, man. This is this like is weird. It's like very
3: like uh it's got like that BDSM like leather <laughs> inspired yeah. I'm like not even kidding. Like it's like yeah. it's like it's like that like eighties, like post-punk like new wave kind of goth you know like this is something i could see somebody who's like really into the cure listening to or something but like also mixed with that hyper sexual like 90s you know energy um like i like the fact that he's got that like like uh (laughs) <laughs> like the chain around his bicep that's like not attached to anything is like yeah all right bro like that's my, that's fucking cool that's a look my,
1: my dude legit looks like he could just show up at a club like that those pants are like
3: tight as fuck too like <laughs> it looks like he's just because like skin tight red leather pants that yeah. is a statement dude <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really hope that there's not like a breakout of a fight at the hellfire gala, because they're going to have problems. Like you think about what, what, uh, Rachel gray is wearing those crazy <laughs> yeah. heels. Yeah. Look at I like Iceman. Like what, like what is happening? <laughs> like, well,
3: yeah, they're like, I, they're similarly crazy heels with no heel yeah. too. So it's like, yeah. it's all like on the front of the like balls of his feet. Like,
1: no. Speaking of balls and a fight breaking out, if a fight does break out, Bishop's absolutely just going to break out of his pants.
3: (laughs) I'm imagining him just doing like the like strong man man. just immediately breaks (laughs) out of the fucking jacket and he's just running around in these tight leather pants, fucking people up. (laughs) You (laughs) probably
0: can't even go ahead, kill.
2: It's going to be that Lionel Richie split pants and his dick falls out.
0: (laughs) Right. Because you probably can't even wear underwear with these. No, no way. Right. Yeah. He's or like free he's
3: just like got a banana hammock going on you know like he's like looks like he's like a spartan like it's literally just his genitals are covered and otherwise banana. he's all banana out a
2: hammock if you're lucky <laughs> <laughs>
1: But you bring up Iceman, Man, you look at him. I feel like you know, with the way his ice powers works,
3: you could probably get out of that pretty easy, right? Oh yeah, yeah. he's he
1: yeah like, yeah. He
3: would just fucking probably fling the like dress skirt, whatever that thing is. I don't know. Like yeah, the, it's a, it's a breakaway corset. Yeah, yeah like sure. I could see him just or like the big spikes on his back just immediately flinging them at somebody and like they're they're dead. <laughs> yeah, those yeah. those are definitely uh, those can be used as a weapon for sure. I really like the um the like bead kind of thing. Like it, it kind of reminds me of like Black Panthers yeah. deal. Like I, I like that a lot. That's cool. Um The wings are definitely the coolest part of of, of Bobby's look though. That shit um, rocks.
1: Sean, is that Iceman or is that Brett the Hitman Hart with those glasses? <laughs> Seriously, dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. I wonder if there was a little bit of inspiration there. Maybe.
3: Yeah. He does yeah. have like a, that era of wrestler vibe going on for sure.
0: <laughs> so uh again there are there are like a ton of these good and this is the
2: episode <laughs> yeah,
0: um, like probably too many for us to just uh to go through with the degree of of you know um uh, scrutiny that we just we'll did We move a little quicker <laughs> you yeah, can see can,
1: pete in there in that next one
0: yep we can do yeah we can do some whoa more. look at um, that fucking xavier one
1: holy shit mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so <laughs> We'll start with with Wolverine, uh, who's just wearing a suit. A tie, baby. I like it. I love it.
3: It's a straight up regular suit, but he has the bolo tie and like like combat
0: boots. <laughs> oh, it, it's important to point out that they they look pretty normal in comparison yeah. to everyone else. And the reason is because at the gala event, hell, um, at the X Force will be the security. So that's why they look pretty basic. Okay, that makes sense.
1: It's yeah. also worth pointing out that they are all coordinated. Like they're all wearing bolo ties. Oh, they ties. all
3: have the bolo yeah. tie. I didn't catch that the first time. They're all yeah. wearing the similar kind of glistening looking suits. Domino yeah. looks fucking awesome in that suit. That is a fucking sick look for her. Yeah, uh,
1: love Beast here too. He looks like uh kind of looks like Andy Brown if he was wearing a suit.
0: <laughs> Video game powers. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> Uh Sage is a smoke show. I mean Oh like my the, god. The, yeah,
3: dude. The the slit dress thing with like the one leg out is such a classic look, but the bolo tie on the like open plunging neckline is such Come a look. On. That is rad. Yeah. I love that. And but
1: uh, Xavier, my god. Oh What's going on, my man?
3: Professor X looks like he like he looks like he's ready to go play a set with Daft Punk. My <laughs> man, has to do it. Like, yeah. yeah yeah dude that is the best like just the fucking gold all the like chains around
0: his neck like that is he is stunting right now like he is hero. like he is definitely in the conversation <laughs> for best dressed and we will sure. absolutely have to get into best dress yeah down the road absolutely. but yeah wow yeah no I'm, i love that look i love it
3: hey, you look good and- too buddy Thank- honestly, that's not a dissimilar look than how I think I'll look at my wedding. So drink it in, everybody. <laughs> that's you and Andy at your wedding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> who's coming who's coming dressed like Professor X? Which one of you? I got Me, you, Marco. baby. <laughs> it is Marco. Right, Marco. Holy shit, it is all Marco. Right, that's fair. If Marco showed up in an all white suit with just an insane amount of bling, I would love that. <laughs> I'm gonna show up looking like
2: Bishop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's something. Uh so moving forward uh we've got Mastermind Celine uh Jamie Madrox and Sunspot representing X-Corp. Um Madrox looks like a green lantern. He yeah. looks like a superhero. He does, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh and, and uh Celine looks like a dominatrix. Yeah, she looks like she's going to literally whip my ass. But also with a Batman cape, which is pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Her it's her like- her look is on point for
3: who she is um i masterminds look is pretty cool like it's He's got like that door yeah yeah like yeah, i don't know i dig it like it's it's got like a almost like um like Victor- victorian or yeah something. yeah but like with like a bit of like a, with a bit of a more modern flair like it kind of reminds me of that mixed with like the emo era throwback to that style that we had in like the early 2000s
0: Yeah. Sunspot is just like, I love the, even though it's, it may not be like visually that impressive or whatever. I love the looks that incorporate the actual powers yeah. of yeah. the character. His entire look here is, is just his powers. He looks <laughs>
3: like he's wearing two towels. Yeah, he does. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me and of a shoe. Uh, <laughs> it is funny that it's just one shoe. <laughs> um, it reminds me of like when you're watching an episode of like DBZ and in two, Go- in two towels. Yes. And the top of Goku's uh he yeah. comes off, but he's still got the pants and it's kind of like down like a kilt almost. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, I see that. Gotta
0: love it. Uh so uh, moving on. Uh moving this on is like the way of X Cast. Fucking oh, A tier. On. Every
3: one of these rules. Kurt
1: fucking Buck. Wagner, my man. Oof.
0: Dude. I'm with dude, Kale. Dazzler is looking right. Look at, look at, I, again, the way they used her powers. Look at how, I don't even know how to describe that. Like, how do you just, like, it's like, it's it, glimmering. It looks yeah. like
3: her classic jumpsuit, but like, there's like a weird mirror effect where it's like black in some spots and like it's like her powers are just emanating all around her. It's so cool. It, it reminds yeah. me a lot of the thing with Betsy where she had like the, you know, like the, the, um, Butterflies, like all floating around her, and
0: everything, you know, yeah, super cool, um pixie, you know that I, I like I like the dress, it's like a really long dress, you can't see her her feet or anything like that, but her wings are really selling this look, mm-hmm. yeah, um they've got, got the pink in there with the black, I like the hair effect too,
3: I think it's cool that um the dress has like lace cutouts around her hips and her shoulders but like it has long gloves that go up the entirety of her arms like it's got like almost like a vampire kind of look to it like super cool well and this might be reading into it uh a little bit but i wonder if
2: that's got to do with her Mm. resurrection yeah that's a good call Mm. out maybe yes yeah yeah.
3: because i don't traditionally think of pixie you know in black yeah
0: right 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 yeah um yeah i mean nightcrawler is just showing off dude
3: he looks like a um uh,
0: musketeer yeah yeah yeah
3: that's exactly what i was thinking yeah like he's ready to go duel somebody with a rapier
1: that's (laughs) his that's his whole thing man he loves that shit he looks great here his long like red looking uh coat coat. yeah Yeah, the coat and then his fucking jealous of that you know, like a bullfighter. He's got the little cape the on one the The one-arm cape. The one-arm cape is an underrated look, I think. Speaking of underrated looks, something I've always loved is that kind of uh, imperial tassels on the shoulders of like an officer or whatever from like uh, the 1800s or whatever. Those always look really cool to
3: me. Yeah. yeah. And he's got like... Um, a big feather in his cap. Yeah, and like God, the, the gloves so and the boots have that like curved look to them like, like a pirate captain or like a, a military officer. Like, it's a cool look. He's got I that smirk on his that. face. My man knows he looks good. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you <laughs> going to look that good Mark, with though. an ascot on? Is my question. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs>
0: yeah. The worst uh,
2: accessory, and
3: he
0: rocks it. <laughs> we, we've got Mercury and Loa as well. They they look they look cool. They're they're kind of interesting. Um, but again, we don't have all the time in the world, so we're just yep. gonna we're gonna shift uh, gears. Um. To the sword group, wow. this is frenzy. Manifold, Cora was kidding. Magneto, um, Magneto, though. Magneto looks insane. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me, bro?
3: The top hat and he's got the gold helmet. Oh my wow. god! And a sash and good god, he looks uh, the you know. like. Look at the 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 detailing on the cuff of his of his fucking jacket. Mm. like it's oh my god like there's so much gold for no he has a gold trim on his fucking
1: shoes bro that's how marco's actually gonna show up to your wedding you're good
3: <laughs> he also has the one arm cape it looks like mm-hmm.
1: <gasps> love it it's like wrapped up and Xavi- down his arm
2: magneto and xavier are showing up in white and gold you know what that means what they're a couple <laughs> oh. <laughs> um Catherine, i'll take that fanfiction fiction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> uh,
3: I I really like both Frenzy and Manifold's outfits too um, Manifold's got kind of like a street wear like cyberpunk kind of look going on which is sick mm-hmm. um, Frenzy just looks hot that's a hot fucking outfit like the the cuts on the shoulders and the sides and the hips and like the leg plunge like that shit is cool man it's just like but it also looks like armor that's
0: neat yeah
1: or it looks like she went, she grew up in Catholic school and hated it and found a way to kind of transform the outfit. <laughs> and she became an Amazon.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, am I wrong in thinking that Manifold is African? Am I thinking of that? Is he? Yeah. I, I like how that sort of design is uh, on his jacket. Oh, yeah. Sort of incorporated
3: into that. The pants too, like the, yeah, yeah. the like three line pattern. Yeah. Guess what? He's not wearing normal ass shoes either. I, dude, I want that jacket. I want those shoes. That jacket is so fucking cool. Uh, Wizkid also looks cool. I love a faux uh, Astro helmet. Oh sure. Yeah, that yeah, is neat. Yeah. I like
1: and how even the chair kind of goes with the outfit. I was
3: gonna say yeah. yeah. I like how the design is is emulated in the the chair uh, details as well. We're gonna have to have a no. Never mind. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm, nothing all righty, oh, okay. then
0: okay uh let's move on to oh no we already did I think that's that all of them huh Nope. oh there's nope a ton more yeah uh, so we're on the new mutants now mirage <sighs> warlock karma magic and warpath magic holy huh. shit magic looks so cool oh yeah oh yeah
3: wow there's a lot going on there huh i like the yeah. horns the horns are really neat the like fact that her whole dress doesn't look like it actually exists and it's just <laughs> like a ghost dress are you fucking kidding me that's i think
2: i think i'll be interested to see that one sort of moving in pra- in practice yeah. yeah which is a dumb thing to say about a comic book but like I'm, <laughs> I'm interested to see how it's going to be presented
3: yeah. you know yeah I'm and i really like the contrast between the ethereal stuff having color and the rest of her look being just mono black is really, really cool warlock um looking
1: totally normal here he's a bow tie <laughs> he's got a bow tie he's doing the best he can Phil
0: that's right <laughs> he doesn't have a lot to work with
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: uh and then warpath, I mean my God, you saw like for me, he's doing too much
3: yeah the those shoulders are. That's like over. That crosses the line for me. you yeah. don't want to. You don't want to be sitting next
2: to him in the in the uh, in the audience. It's like, stop poking
3: me with those fucking things. <laughs> this
1: gal is going to be crowded. You're going to try to go get one of those little hot dogs
3: that the waiters have, and that guy's going to fucking stab you the shoulders. <laughs> I also, I feel like the yellow looks out of place on his chest. That's the only place that that is in the rest of the design, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't look very good. Disagree.
0: Oh, okay. So uh, on to the next group. We've got the Heliots. All right, all and right. They are showing okay, out. havoc. What let's the
1: go, fuck, dude. Uh, all five of them. Look at them. Literally, all of them out. look sick.
3: Yeah, Mystique. Mystique's
1: fucking.
2: Come on, Fur the Raven Queen herself. Oh
3: my god. Yeah, that looks yeah. awesome.
1: Yep. Fucking Exodus too. Like you can't even see his arms because they're just completely wrapped up in his cape. Doesn't he always look like that though? Isn't that like his
0: normal look? He's always got he, the yeah, giant shoulder pads. It looks very much like Exodus normally looks, but just certain certain changes um that make him look cool. I would I actually wouldn't mind if this was just how he locked like,
2: yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. normally. He he just walks up and is
1: like, This is just how I look. He's like, yeah, I always I look, look this good. Yeah. <laughs> of always looking good. Sinister, man. He just looks like sinister. Yep. yep. But like
2: He's already a fashionista. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. Just like more regal. Like it's like, eh, he turned it up to 12 instead of 11 this time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think havoc and Psylocke both look great. I love the, uh, the like cherry blossom effect mm-hmm. going on with Psylocke. Yeah. Like that's very cool. And but I yeah. like yeah. Havoc's
0: headwear too. moving down to his body. So good. that was, man. that was a good touch. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. So I read an interview, uh, where they well it was more of a description uh for Mystique I think it came from the Hellfire Gala uh issue that I read um and it was I believe it was written from the perspective of Jumbo Carnation it was basically just saying that you don't know what part of this costume is her costume and what part of it is her you know her power like her transforming to look like this so Mm -hmm. it was just saying like don't don't touch her, uh, don't don't get too friendly touching <laughs> her costume because you might actually be touching her. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and in the the what I read, uh, it said that Mystique is attending the event alone, and then she responds and says, "For now."
1: Oh shit! Okay. That's going back to the beginning you of Hawks Park Fucking
0: go, everybody! To to pull on that uh real quick we'll get back to our critiques of the of the designs but uh issue 20 of x-men which is due out next month is actually so it on the main cover it shows you um uh, nimrod but the comic itself is actually at least in part about mystique once again asking for them to resurrect destiny and inquiring about where, where we're at with that. So, um,
1: Nimrod and mystique and destiny. These are old threads we're pulling on.
0: Yeah. That's exciting stuff. Important (laughs) stuff. Yeah. I can't wait till we, till we get that issue. Um, but we've got, we've got some more designs to go. Here's the Excalibur crew. Mm. Jubilee gambit, Loriana Richter and Monarch.
3: Yo, Monarch looks like the Joker. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Uh, Gambit looks like a fucking drug dealer in a Michael Bay movie. (laughs) He looks like a vampire drug dealer. Yeah. He looks like Gambit. Like, yeah, no, the vampire drug dealer is that's a that's a perfect because like I'm just imagining him walking out onto a fucking balcony like that and it's like, oh yeah, this is what I sleep in,
0: motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) He woke up like that, yeah. (laughs) Um I wasn't really inspired by any of these. Uh they they I didn't I didn't think they were too terribly uh inventive. Richter r- looks like a
3: different superhero. Like it looks that, like Ragman. He
0: looks, looks like Riddler. The Spectre.
3: It does look like Riddler. Yeah, or like like Riddler. If like Riddler had a son that became Robin. Like you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Damian Wayne as the Riddler. <laughs> Love it. Uh So moving forward, we've got the X-Factor crew, Polaris, North Star, Aurora, Doc, and Prodigy, I-Boy, and Kyle. Yo, Iboy boy though. Like, I-Boy. I-Boy,
3: though. That's like a fucking loincloth. I love it. That's crazy. <laughs> Look at all I know we circle back, But this is actually how Marco's going to dress
1: up to your wedding. You
0: know? I think he'd pull it off. I think he might go as Prodigy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I buy that. The wings are cool. Yeah, I like the um I like the uh the like the like where that sits. Like the fact that it's like under the chest line and then yeah. it kind of is like it it's almost like um what do they call those things on wedding dresses? Like the trail or whatever. Mm. Yeah, a train. train, train. Train. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty sick. Um, um Polaris too, by the way. Great look. Yeah, it's very simple, but, like, very striking. Yeah. Like, that with, like, the slicked back hair, like, that looks like a very, like, high fashion type look, you know?
0: Um, oh, my man, Docking is just going to go to the gala with bare feet. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, that's a move. So I, boy
1: Yeah. Have you guys seen some of the shoes these people are going to wear? Like, you're going to
3: absolutely get stepped on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe they want
3: that. I, I do like that Docking. I like the... The a um what's what's it called? Like asynchronous like design where it's like half of it has the pattern and then the rest of it looks normal. Like yeah, that's yeah. a very cool look to give that like a splash of, of print rather than like have the whole thing be like overly stylized or whatever.
0: Um Yeah, it's good stuff. Let's move on to the X-Men. Yo. Uh Sunfire, Sync, Colossus, Wolverine, and Cannibal. Colossus was trending on Twitter. Due to this look, people have had thoughts.
3: Yeah, dude. It's fucking awesome. I think that looks so fucking sick. It, like, he looks like a fucking baron. (laughs)
5: Yeah.
3: Cover
1: cover me in metal, daddy. The hair and beard combo, like, kind of
3: remind me of Drake. Stop. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't feel like I ever remember seeing Colossus with a beard, but, like, he should. Like that looks dope. <laughs>
2: uh, it's fair fairly recent. It, 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 yeah. It's it's around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I really like Sunfires.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big yeah. time. He looks fucking fly. He he's got like this kind of emperor looking helmet on, too. Yeah. Like whew.
3: I am super into Sync's look. I feel like that looks like uh a thing I could actually see like a, a musician wearing. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like yeah. he just looks like a like if like if I found out this was like he's a record producer, I'd be like, yeah, yeah no, I buy that. Yeah, and he does <laughs> just something. look like a producer.
0: Yeah, the fucking uh, go ahead, cannonball go ahead. looks like a, like a character from another thing. Like he looks like a um... Final Fantasy character. Yeah, yeah. Like looks, yeah, yeah. He could be in Final Fantasy,
3: totally. Like the the very like steampunk with the goggles yeah. and the you know, it's kind of like Victorian looking, but a little bit more. I don't know. Um, military as well. Um, yeah, I think his
0: look is my favorite overall so I, far.
3: I like that one a lot too. I like that it's very simple in in the color scheme, like the gray and yellow yeah. is like a very good look.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think Laura looks great too. I I really like the um the like design on the halter top thing, and that it's like half.
0: Skirt, half like long thing. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I've never seen that before, but that's that's unique to say the least. I like that she's wearing thigh high boots. That's great. Yeah, um, love that. Love yeah. that for her. <laughs> <laughs> so wild. Uh, and that's all. That's it. Oh, did it. yeah, yeah. That's it. We got through it. We yeah. did them all. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, how many like the the effort that they put into all these different designs. I love it. Um I can't think at the moment of any characters who we haven't seen their look. I feel like um, all the ones that we were questioning we saw this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I don't think we've seen Cable yet, Kid Cable. Um but he's not on any particular team. So yeah. that that might be something we have to wait for the for the actual event itself. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so many amazing looks coming for the Hellfire Gala event. I can't wait for this. I, I Content-wise, I really don't know what to expect, honestly. Yeah. like They're promoting this book by showing us how the characters are going to look in it, and that's very unique. So um, I don't know what to expect, but I think it's going to be great. It's so working. Gonna- should we do a fashion episode?
1: Oh, uh, I like this a lot. We I should would, dress up for an episode. We
3: should all dress up the episode. We have to decide who... When when you said John, we're gonna like rank everybody's outfits. That would be hilarious if we all came in suits or something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Oh, be- I mean, better
0: than suits. Come on.
3: All right, fine. Challenge accepted, I'm motherfucker. I'm coming, right.
0: dude. Um, yeah. You guys can do all that, and I'll judge if you want. But perfect.
3: I- <laughs> yeah, yeah so I'm I'm really excited for this book, man. Like, I, I really think it's gonna be fun, and I think that like this kind of thing is what is so cool about Krakoa. You know, it's it's the sociological stuff. That the mutants get to do and like mutant fashion not something we've ever really thought about too much if it wasn't for combat so uh, uh i disagree
2: there's a whole era of 80s fashion uh, fair
3: i storm's 80s look is fucking yeah. iconic mm-hmm. as all hell don't mm-hmm. that's true um but yeah i am I'm, I'm excited to see like i don't i almost don't care what happens like i just kind of want to see the event you know you're going to care when we're reading
1: it. That's true. That's it sucks. <laughs> we're definitely going to see the first law of Krakoa go in effect at this gala, baby. Oh, man. I hope yeah.
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Well, that 's going to do it for our conversation about the the uh, the costume. I encourage you if you were listening to that without looking at these costumes, you should really go see them for yourself. Yeah. Um, Bleeding Cool actually has an article where they show off all sixty four looks that have been revealed so far. so if you are curious, you should really go check those out they 're awesome they 're very unique. I know that you know not all comic book fans are necessarily caring about the fashion side of this event. And I normally wouldn't either, but the fact that this is how they're choosing to promote it is fun and it's different. And, you know, we can have fun in comics too. So, um, it's, it's cool stuff. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our conversation with Declan today. Um, once again, we want to shout out time before time, which is coming out on May 12th, definitely go show support for that book. Give it the old comics pals bump. Um, I really, really stand by the quality of it. We got to read it ahead of time. Thanks to Declan and Image. You really want to read it. It's worth your while for sure. Um, And write in and let us know your thoughts about anything that we talked about in this episode. You can get us on social at The Comics Pals. Write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. While you're thinking about us, leave us a rating or a review uh, wherever it is that you're listening to this. Follow us on all podcast hosting platforms that you use. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, like the video, share it with your friends. All that stuff is free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Join our Discord server where you can come hang out with us and everybody else who's a part of of our server, all the other pals. Uh, That is also free. Keep in mind, all you need is the app, and that's totally free. Um, We're always having great conversations over there. But I do have to caution you. You don't want to go to the weeb chat. Nope. It's weird. It's the Badlands. <laughs> Every time you nothing, say... Nothing happened this
1: week. Well, they're trying to get Sean to read uh, more manga.
0: That's what's happening. All I know is that there was a link shared that I was supposed to click on, and it really seemed like a trap. So I didn't do it. Every- oh, it was fine. Every time what, that Sean, was it a trap?
3: That Sean yeah. talks about this, it just reminds me of, <laughs> of Mufasa warning Simba. You know, like... The, Stay away. That's uh, don't go over there. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. Oh, what's
2: that? That's the weeb channel.
0: You stay away from the weeb channel. We need that meme put together ASAP. That's Marco's
1: kingdom, and any kingdom that Marco runs, you you run away from.
2: But that just means Sean's going to get trampled by the the weeb hyenas and
0: we'll lose our king. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that aside check out our invincible we watch finale uh the show has wrapped go listen to that um we still want to promote our interview with garth ennis it was awesome we encourage you guys to check it out we've gotten a lot of feedback uh from you guys we would love for all of you to hear it let's run those numbers up uh it was a great interview and he is of course a legend in this industry so uh you know i think you want to hear it uh And, of course, our book clubs. We, Gosh, what did we just put out? Uh, Uh, We put out the Falcon Falcon Cap. Yeah, Yeah, Sam Wilson, Wilson, Captain America uh, book club. That was awesome. Definitely go check that out. We've got a ton of other ones out there for you guys to listen to. Take the Comics Pals Challenge. Go see our list of book clubs. If you can't find anything you like, write in. Tell us that. And we will put that at the front of our laundry list of book clubs to do. A uh, listener requested book clubs, that is. Let's get into the plugs. Pete. Thank you
3: guys for joining us here in another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come chat with me about what you thought about season one of Invincible. I'd love to talk with you about it um, or the discord, whatever. Um, if you want to get some more content from me, you can check out uh, the podcast, which I host every Monday over on looppots.com, and uh, you can go check out my band, Long Friend Time Friend's uh, debut album, If Me Dies, Me Dies. Uh, we are actually doing our album release show this upcoming uh, Friday over on the uh, Harvey's House uh, Twitch channel, so if you want to oh, check that out, um, yeah. I'll be promoting it on my Twitter and everything um, come hang out. Uh, I'm super excited to finally get to play these songs in front of people. So, uh, if you want to come hear the record for the first time, or if you liked it and want to come show your support, um, co- yeah, come check it out. It'll be a good time. I think it's a good record. Thanks buddy. Kill.
2: Come um, tell us how bad you want a high fashion comics pals episode <laughs> because now I really want to do it. Uh, you can find me. Oh, tell me about it at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at killwar.com, C A L E W A R D.com. Where? Well, you're not going to find fashion unless you want it.
1: <laughs> okay. Phil, you can follow me at uh, Cyborg Bebop on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, I'm notoriously slow at watching uh, television shows, but uh, after three months, I finished all 26 episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, I have thoughts, and uh, it's been racking my brain for the last uh, week, especially. So, if you want to talk to me about that, uh, please. Shoot me you a watch
0: tool. the should you, you watch the movies yet?
1: Not yet. I will. Everything takes me a long
0: time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Uh, hit me up to talk about what you're loving in comics. I, I could use some recommendations for new stuff. So, if there's anything that you're into that you want me to check out, that's not uh, a manga, uh, hit me up. And with that, we're the comic Spouse signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week.
3: Gotta find but see, manga.
2: it's an it's an X book, so looks with an X.
0: I don't know yeah. the I don't. <laughs> you'll, you'll 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 get there, or maybe you won't.